My name's Tom Jennings and this is the 24 Frames Cast and this is a very special episode of the 24 Frames Cast today because the kind of the genesis of this episode goes back about three years when I was watching Martin Scorsese's The Last Temptation of Christ and I happened to tweet out whilst I was watching it that I thought it was the worst film I had ever seen and very, very swiftly a reply came back from a representative of the Westboro Baptist Church called Hunter Dusing who objected to my calling it the worst film ever made and we kept threatening to sit down and uh, do an episode to discuss it and it's taken three years of intense legal wrangling to get around to this. So it's with great pleasure today that uh, Hunter is going to be joining me. Hunter, so thank you so much for coming on board today to talk about this film. Always a pleasure, Tom. Uh, have I been on 24 Frames Cast or have I just been on... No, you haven't. No, no. I, 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 I'm very selective with my guests, actually, on this. Ah. <laughs> it's because I love the sound of my voice so much that I don't really like to spoil it by hearing other people's opinions. And, um, yeah, I've, I've, Joachim's the only person who I've, I've allowed to actually come on. The, I, I keep thinking about having more guests on, actually, but I, oh, I don't yeah. know. I, I sort of, I don't know. I kind of quite like the idea of being a lone wolf out there in the world of podcasting. So, well, and you are one of the few people who's actually able to talk by yourself. Yeah, I can't do that. If I could, I would do a podcast by myself as well. I think uh, I have a lot I of training can't. being alone at the moment. I do a lot of things by myself, unfortunately, and podcasting's well, I, just an extension of that. It's weird. Like I, I have a, a train of thought, but even in conversation, I sometimes feel like I come off like a jabbering idiot in podcasts. So. Do you know what? Actually, I was, I was having this thing of day because I do actually script my episodes. Oh, I see. And I, I, I sometimes think I should sort of move away from doing that because I'm consciously aware sometimes when I'm doing the editing that I do sound a bit robotic sometimes. But it's I think it's because you sort of you get so used to hearing yourself speak and sort of doing it in that way. And I, I've, I've, tr- I've tried to kind of mix it up before where I don't kind of script as much. And to be honest with you, the results will never be heard because they're absolutely awful. Because it's just full of like. Mm. Uh, uh, um, yeah, there's a. You have to edit out a lot of the. Yeah, you know, like. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of that. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I, I kind of go down that route, and um, I guess yeah, there, there aren't many podcasts where it's just someone on their own. Actually, and I think my inspiration was uh, Cinema Slave Joe. Actually, yeah, I was about to say Cinema Slave Joe is one of the few who was able to talk by himself without anybody to bounce off of. You know, <laughs> yeah. I feel like people who are really good at that are in radio or something yeah yeah well yeah, yeah so, i mean i've had a few people i mean i've I, 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 i've had a few emails from people actually and, and someone it's always nice when you get nice ones and it's also quite jarring when you get um kind of the not so nice ones and well, thanks- i found blog posts trashing uh my podcast in that movie cowboys plug uh i found I, blog I posts talking about how terrible and racist uh <laughs> yeah well no, no i had one once which was um i like your podcast but you sound gay and really that was the thing and i was like thinking was oh. that that was that was stewart wasn't it no no it wasn't it was someone i, I, I he was I, I i couldn't quite wait but he said to me i can't listen to you anymore because you sound so gay and i was just like oh okay you know what i mean but he liked what i was saying apparently and encouraged oh, well, me to carry on and keep thanks. up with the good work but yeah <laughs> so yeah I, I do apologize if i sound um uh, yeah not quite heterosexual enough that's just i'll have to work <laughs> on that the thing but um so let's just kind of back up a second what what, yes. what are we doing here because well, no. I had actually forgotten about the genesis of this because it's been so long. But yeah, I, now that you've jogged my memory, yeah, I remember you saying it was the worst movie ever made. And I was like, what are you talking about? So, yeah, uh, I mean, been threatening to do this. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, can, I can say now I'm not going to retract the fact. I, I, I will retract, sorry, the, the fact that The Last of of Christ is not the worst film ever made. I have seen The Passion of the Christ, which is way, way worse. And... <laughs> 
is is uh, is 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 truly the, the sort of the, the the benchmark of abomination as far as I'm concerned. But wow, no, I I, I was. It was one of the it was one of the few Scorsese films that I had never seen, and well, yeah, I, me too. I actually didn't see it until for the first time until it came out on Blu-ray from Criterion. That yeah, was when I first saw it. That was when. I, and the worst thing is, I owned I owned this film. I bought it on DVD many many years. One, I think it was one of the first films. It, you know, it was, it was one of the first cycle of films that came out on DVD. I bought it. Um, never watched it. Came out on Criterion. Bought it. Never watched it. Then the Blu-ray came out. Bought that, and then I thought, right, fuck it. I'm, I've spent enough money on this film now to own three <laughs> so yeah. much into <laughs> and, Jesus I, Defoe. and i've never watched it and then i sat down and i watched it and i was like if i had known that um i wouldn't have ever bought this film because i was oh I'm, yes you would have you completed criteria yeah, yeah i would have yeah if you stick a spine <laughs> number I, I will i will collect but you have fucking tiny furniture yeah oh don't don't there there are a few yeah that is the one thing i'd say about owning all the criterion films it is fucking jarring having to buy what, some of them what are some other criterion films you hate just out of curiosity oh god um let me that's a that is an absolute tough oh god what was that i've um, seen some godard films that i can't yeah oh, anything godard apart from breathless i can't stand godard breathless films. is great uh, um i like a ba- band of outsiders but like uh i was entertained by just the madness of a uh, weekend but Oh man, that movie's pretentious. No, no, I, I hate that. Ministry of Fear, Fritz Lang's film, is absolutely atrocious. Really, and it is. And I thought this this year was going to appeal to me in so many ways. I thought you know we've got Fritz Lang, kind of the war propaganda films, and I'm a sucker for those types. Yeah, it was it was awful. I, do you know what? I hate Fantastic Mr. Fox as well. That's yeah, it. I don't like that. In fact, any Wes Anderson after Royal Tenenbaums is yeah. Excessive um, to me. I detest Charlie Chaplin films. I've... I like Chaplin, but uh, I can totally understand why you would hate them. <laughs> I, 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 he, I, he, I think he's the least of the silent clowns. I like Harold Lloyd better. I like uh, uh, Buster Keaton a lot more. Because uh, Chaplin and Lloyd kind of pandered to the poor, I feel. <laughs> you know? I just find them really unfunny. I just don't see why these films... Um, anything Mike Lee as well. Um I, I don't I don't like Mike Lee films much. Um, Naked. I, you know, I've only seen a few of his. Uh, oh, I liked Naked quite a bit. That's I hate. I I, that's one of my top ten most hated films ever. <laughs> um, and then there's a few that I've not. You know, where I've sort of like, you know, when they get announced, and I'm I'm, I'm such a an idiot. I you know, I do buy them all, and sometimes they come through, and I'm just like, oh man, like I'm literally kind of like. You're just a, you're just filling a hole in my shelf. Yeah, and it's it's you know, it, it, yeah, it, it's tough sometimes, especially kind of lots of these kind of double dip Blu-rays. But to be fair, I, I, there's a there's a few of the Blu-rays that I haven't kind of double dipped on on the basis that I sort of hate the sort of the original so much. Right, like I have Breathless on Blu-ray. I don't need the Criterion dual format version. Yeah, know? yeah, exactly. I mean, no, I mean, there's a few in there which yeah, yeah, I've, I've not enjoyed, but it, yeah, the, the good ones way, way, way outstrip the bad ones. Oh, um, yeah, there's there's so many great movies in there. And usually, like, if it's something I haven't heard of, uh, I'll take a chance on it. I'll yeah. roll the dice. Yeah, know? and I mean, you, you, you sort of know what you're getting with Criterion. I mean, I, I would say sometimes with Criterion films, though, I wish there'd be a bit more kind of... Um, there's, there's, there's lots of films which are about kids sort of coming-of-age films. There does seem to be quite a lot of them, and a lot of kind of um, samurai films as well. And I sort of think sometimes, you know, we've got enough of them. Let's try and kind of go in a slightly different direction. You know, let's have some, some more animation in there. Because by much, I don't think there is much. I don't think there's any animation. No, I don't think there's. I think Fantastic Mr. Fox, and that's it. Yeah, you know, and right. I sort of I mean, think... there's some Stan Brackage, but that's not really animation. That's yeah, like I mean, guys it's... painting on film strips, you know. 
yeah, Stan Brackish, actually, that was another one where I was sort of like, yeah, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to... And I was like, oh, it's about 20 minutes. I was like, oh, I'm not getting this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My favorite Stan Brackish appearance is in Cannibal the Musical. I've not seen. <laughs> With uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Oh, no, no. But... <laughs> but um... Oh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, but my beef with Criterion lately is it feels like they're just grabbing licenses they can get. Like, a lot of their movies they put out lately are basically souped-up versions of the MGM DVD library. Mm. You know, like, you know, they, they, they seem to have access to those licenses, and they're using it. Like, you know, they've got scanners coming out. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, you know, scanners is probably Cronenberg's most, one of his most overrated movies. Yeah, uh, it people love it because at the time they had never seen anything like that man's head exploding. But it's yeah. kind of a boring movie. Besides that, you yeah, know. And, but but where, where like is Shivers available? Uh, last time I checked, it wasn't, and that's like one of Cronenberg's seminal movies. You know, why can't we have these things that aren't available and out there out? You know, sometimes I just. Yeah, no. We I mean, don't need another Blu-ray of Fantastic Mr. Fucking Fox, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's one that came through the other day, which I was a bit unsure. But it's, it's a mad, mad, mad world, and I, yeah, saw, yeah. I was watching it, thinking, "Oh God, this was kind of go on the." Uh, um, I don't like shelf and Tess as well. <laughs> the Polanski film. I, I haven't mean, picked that up. As, it's as... a stunning film. It is beautiful. It is one of the most beautiful films I've ever watched. But yeah, I was sort of thinking, this is. Yeah, I wasn't quite so into it, but I mean, well, the reason I haven't seen Tess is I'm kind of creeped out by it because I know Polanski was screwing Natasha Kinski at the time. Yeah, and I, I, that I've... that kind of skeeves me out a bit. Like I know there's a lot of things skeevy about Polanski, but just that knowing that watching the movie would yeah, yeah. probably creep me out. I know that, and I, I, I was saying this I think on the last episode of the Master Cinema Cast with with, with Yoa Kim, and I was I was talking about how I try and see through the scumbag sometimes well all the time in fact you know i have no problem with liking chinatown oh i don't either i don't have i don't i mean i don't personally think woody allen's a pedophile and i was i don't have an issue watching his films i i same here i think i don't know i think i, I he wasn't well we don't need to get into that yeah it's, it's, it, let's be let's just kind of say they're quite a dysfunctional family from yes. top to bottom and I think that's the thing but it's like some t- when I was watching Tess and I saw it the BFI put out a Blu-ray of it like a couple of years ago and I was watching it and I was sort of acutely aware of the fact that I felt uncomfortable watching it on the basis of the kind of backstory that goes into it and I sort of thought to myself yeah come on try and see through that you know and get over it and I just found I couldn't but on another level it's such a beautiful film to look at that mm-hmm. I think from a cinematic point of view it's well worth checking out and the blue the BFI Blu-ray was beautiful as well and I, this yeah criteria. I want to see it it's just uh, I've just kind of been hesitant to yeah. pull the trigger on getting it no I think uh, it, I, I will eventually yeah I, mean, I think it's, it's, it's one of those ones where it comes out half price on the next sale and, and here, you know most Polanski movies I've seen I love you know like uh, The Pianist is the best movie about that about the Holocaust ever in my opinion I've not I've not seen it actually so oh it's it's amazing it's uh, yeah, I, was, I did not expect to like it as much as I did. Because I watched what's the one I watched the other day, um, where it's actually got him acting in it, and it's in Paris. Um, oh, he's in a lot of his. Oh, uh, 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 the the tenant. Yeah. Whoa, that was a that was another one that kind of took me. That's one of his apartment meltdown movies. Yeah, like yeah, Repulsion. And, yeah, that's um, yeah, a very strange film. And uh, uh, the, very... the the when he's being chased by the other tenants and they have lizard eyes and forked tongues. Yeah, it's just a it is it's a proper mad film, and um, yeah, I was pretty impressed by it. But 
no, molests that girl while watching a Bruce Lee movie. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's fairly standard, isn't it? I mean, I think, I think we can safely say Roman has issues. Oh, yes. I, I, I but, uh, I, you know, I think uh, surviving the Holocaust and having your family murdered by Charles Manson's followers uh, will yeah. screw with a man. You know? I, I, I mean, I, that's one of the things, yeah, let's sort of cut some slack if we can. Well, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying he's, I mean, he's obviously, you know, I think evil being perpetrated on on you uh will cause causes a lot of people to perpetrate evil themselves you know yeah exactly like, I mean, it's it's why people who are molested become molesters you know yeah it's a, so. it's a, a vaguely vicious it's not, i'm not excusing it that's just no, the no. way it happens yeah you know? and i think you know it's like kind of like i think you know, it's face say you kind of had a kind of a, a fairly awful life and i think you know that's something we certainly have to take into account but you know kind of mo- mo- moving on just quickly i mean you know, yeah we could, <laughs> could talk that. but i mean anyway um yeah, it's, it's shameless plug time. Cause, I mean, obviously you have your own po- podcast, so and I have yes. plugged it several times on this one. But just kind of remind everyone what what you know the Midnight Movie Cowboys is. Uh, Midnight Movie Cowboys is a podcast I do with an Australian uh, named Stuart and a grumpy Colorado man named uh, John Grace, and uh, we we generally talk about genre movies mostly. Uh, we recently did an episode on Southern Comfort. Uh, we had one just drop about Bat Day at Black Rock. Oh yeah. And uh, we're doing a uh, little tribute episode to Lau Kar Lung that I'm recording tomorrow, uh, the Shaw Brothers director who died a year or so ago. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of, because I think we started out almost at the same time, if memory serves. Yeah, I mean, it, we've been around for a few years. It started out just me and Stuart, um, and it was a little more, we were kind of trying to be the Hollywood saloon a little bit. Yeah. Um, like, it was a kind of produced, uh, and episodes were kind of few and far between because of it and uh we decided to add a third person and that way you know if one it made it easier to get the show out weekly we made the show weekly we made it more conversational kind of free form and uh our listenership has gone up tremendously as a result no so. no yeah definitely i mean i yeah, i can I highly recommend it's certainly one of the the few podcasts that are on my sort of rotation of you know listening and it's, it's strange actually because i've over the years i used to listen to loads of podcasts and i found that my sort of podcast list of the ones i regularly listen to has decreased quite a lot oh uh, same here and it, it yep. tends to be the ones that are a bit more niche that i mm. tend to gonna go for i'm not so much so keen on the sort of the review show ones in fact, I'm uh, you know what you know what show i've been listening to lately is ice t's final level podcast not heard oh my gosh you have to listen to it it's insane no i mean my favorite discovery recently has been the brett easton edis podcast I'm, oh yeah i love brett i listen to brett every week yeah there's something about that guy he's um yeah he's 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 he, he seems like the most normal famous person ever that's what i sort <laughs> of like about him and he kind of he he, he was doing this brilliant kind of Kind of scything down of Catherine Bigelow films. Oh yeah, and I, I totally ag- agreed with everything he was saying about Catherine mm-hmm. Bigelow. But it seems to be this kind of conversation that we're not really supposed to have. Yeah, you know, you're not allowed to have it because you sound like you hate women if you have it. Yeah, and it was basically yeah, and he was sort of saying, well, actually, she, she just makes men's films, and it's well, like she does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. But uh, what, what I loved uh, recently, though, it's what's funny is when he has people on who disagree with him, and it yeah. suddenly becomes very weird and awkward. Like when Fred Armisen was on the show, yeah, yeah. and he like violently disagreed with him about uh, Catherine Bigelow, and Fred the ne- on the next week's show with Ivan Reitman, he talked about it. And he was yeah. like, "Yeah, that was 
Fred was really nice, but during the show, it was really awkward. <laughs> yeah, I, no, no, it's funny, but like you know, he was doing this dissection of when he does plugs for products as well the other day, and he was saying like how you know he he only he only actually plugs things that he genuinely thinks are worth buying. Mm-hmm. And, and what's kind of I liked about him was that I actually thought, yeah, he probably actually does genuinely think that's worth buying. And that's yep. what I, I sort of quite, I quite admire his, uh, his kind of honesty in that respect. But Well, and he said, like, he plugs a Dollar Shave Club and he says, you know, I don't get stressed out uh, uh, buying razors and things, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't either. That's why I don't subscribe to Dollar Shave Club. But he, but I do know guys who do. Who do like dread going to buy razors and stuff? So he goes. He said. He said his boyfriend like you know dreads buying razors. So he's just like okay, you know. Well, obviously this is a product with a proper application. <laughs> it's an issue, and he's going to mm-hmm. help kind of solve it. But no, I mean, I guess I'm kind of just kind of coming round to kind of the topic of this show, which is kind of really. And one of the reasons why I thought it'd be kind of interesting to do this episode was really kind of the fact that I think there there will be such a level of disagreeance about this film. Yes, and I, I I love that because I I think I need to disagree more on my show because I I kind of have the same taste as the guys on my show. So yeah, we find ourselves agreeing a lot, and I'm like I need we need somebody with like who just thinks Dark Knight's the best movie ever made and is 20 years old and you know. yeah well I mean no, I mean really. this is kind of like giving you this anecdote I mean about a year ago there was you know we were talking at work about the best directors ever made and someone asked me to write down my list of top 10 directors and not on my list was Steven Spielberg and mm. someone was like whoa, whoa you know how can you possibly say this yeah and I was like well legitimately in my life <laughs> like I'm saying legitimately Steven Spielberg, I do not think, is one of the best directors who ever lived. And I ended up having this kind of debate with someone. And it wasn't a debate. It was the worst type of debate you can have, which is basically two people just shouting at each other as to why. And, you know, there's no opinion being expressed. When someone's just well, saying, that's yeah, the yeah, thing but, yeah, but that opening di- of Saving Private Ryan. I'm like, yeah, the opening of Saving Private the rest of Saving Private Ryan, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it, get, it gets on like that. And what I found was that when you have when you disagree violently with someone and it, it's very very hard i think to have a conversation or a debate which mm. is reasoned i think very quickly things kind of kind of slip and you suddenly start getting into basically like one of the reasons why i don't go on many kind of facebook groups and forums because in the end it's just people shouting opinions at each well, other well it's worse on facebook because you know I mean, nobody can looks at each other and empathizes with each other. No. So it's you know it's a lot more bloodthirsty. It's a lot. It can devolve into personal attacks and insults and stuff. Yeah, and very quickly. It's the thing about kind of like the last temptation of Christ was. I mean, I I, I can as we will kind of dig into. I, I I you know I can. What I hope will be legitimate reasons why I, this film for me doesn't really mean very much. But no, I'm I'm, I'm interested. I mean, I, I think it's kind of like worth. I and mean, I, I I kind of don't want to kind of go down the kind of the religion topic too much. Sure, but I think, sure. I think it's quite important before we begin to talk about kind of our beliefs because yeah, and you know, and I know. I mean, I'll, I'll get to me in a minute. But can you just kind of talk about your kind of religious beliefs first? Uh, I'm a Roman Catholic. Uh, I converted to Catholicism last year. I've been Catholic for about a year. Okay. And before that, I was Episcopalian, i.e. very casual Christian. Uh, 
in college, I was kind of nothing, although I identified as Christian. I was raised Episcopalian, but I was baptized as a Catholic. Um, my parents converted to uh, uh, meet in the middle because my mom's family didn't like Catholics. Uh, very, uh, you know, <laughs> Protestant family. Okay, and, and what kind of, yeah, what, I mean, what brought, brought on that, that, that change, do you think? Uh, me becoming Catholic? Or, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it just kind of felt like a calling. I was reading... Um, uh, books by Chesterton and um, I started attending church with my parents just to it was something to do with my parents you know and I started uh, feeling this urge to study more about the faith because you know the richness of the background and, and the traditions of the church were very interesting to me all the art and uh, philosophy and literature that's come out of it was very uh, inspiring to me and um I started taking the classes for adult confirmation and just to try it, you know, yeah. uh, see if I liked it. And I got really into it. And, um, you know, then I ended up uh, converting at the, you know, getting confirmed at the Easter mass. Uh, uh, my uncle was my sponsor. And uh, this year I sponsored a friend of mine uh, who converted as well. So it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a very important part of my life. And, uh, uh, of a very positive part of my life, I feel. Uh, but you know, I did have, you know, I did have a religious upbringing, um, and I did go to Catholic school when I was in high school. So it's always been something that's been around. Yeah, know? and it's, it's something that in later life that you feel has become more important to you, right? Like it became something that was important to me later on when I was in my you know early twenties. Uh, you know, more uh, hedonistic pleasures took priority. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you, that's, that's one of the things I find quite interesting about a lot of p- people who I know who are religious, who the older they get, it seems the more kind of into it they do mm. become. And I, I mean, I, I always say that if you're 90 and the end is nigh, it might be a good um, insurance policy to take out to become religious. I mean, it's like that uh, famous Voltaire quote when he was on his deathbed. The priest said, uh, you, you need to uh, renounce Satan. And he said, my good man, now is not the time to make enemies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's true, you know, and things, but I mean, I, I have noticed that's kind of quite, you know, a, a lot of people I know, like, as I said, who, you know, the older they get, they suddenly, they, you know, once those kind of, those uh, hedonistic years are behind them, kind of settle down and sort of begin to kind of think about their faith. And it, it doesn't seem to, I, I don't know many people who have gone from being sort of no faith to having faith. They sort of kind of, they're people who seem to be on the peripheral who then kind of jump in. And I mean, I mean, I mean, do you, I mean, do you, do you, I mean, Sunday today, I mean, have you been at church today? Are you a regular kind of? Not yet. I'm going uh, in the afternoon. Yeah. And with Catholicism, you're pretty much required to go to church. It's, you know, it's expected that you go every Sunday. Um, and I, I haven't missed mass yet. So yeah, since, I, mean, uh, I started going. This is another thing. I mean, like, I mean, do, do you find as well being like kind of a younger person being religious? I mean, are you kind of like in a minority with your friends or is it kind of like most of your friends are kind of religious as well? Oh, my goodness. Oh, uh, when I lived in Memphis, none of my friends were religious. It was kind of they thought it was weird when they found out I went to church. Right. Uh, I lived I used to live in Memphis, Tennessee, and nobody there was religious. Everybody there was, um, you know, kind of atheist anarcho vegan types, you know. Right. Uh, but, you know, that was the sort of folk I hang I hung out with. And, you know, when they heard I went to church, they were like, what? You know, but uh, moving to Dallas, more of my friends are people that I grew up with and they grew up kind of with a similar background. So they're either kind of vaguely religious or, uh, you know, 
or or are religious like you know one of my good friends just converted to catholicism so i do have and i do go to i go to groups for young catholics right uh so i do meet a lot of people in the and i'm a knight of columbus as well so um i meet a lot of people there so i i have developed a more religious group of friends here yeah but uh if i go to memphis you know i'll be hanging out with the godless heathens yeah yeah the godless heathens which i love them too (laughs) yeah i mean and and i guess i mean it's like i mean you touched on it but i mean like how important is religion in your life on kind of like a daily basis i mean do you kind of like is it is it you know is it always there in kind of every kind of thought i suppose not in it should be it more i start my day every day i try to anyway i'm not going to say i am consistent with this but i try to start my day every day with a morning readings and reflection and prayer um it's just because i find i have a better day when i do that i'm a little more centered i have you know my day is less chaotic if i stop and do that yeah so i try to do that every day um save for sundays because i spend more time in church and stuff yeah uh but uh you know and so i wouldn't say it it could be more i could do more to yeah. uh read up on things but like i could read some more uh you know saint augustine or something every day like uh incorporate readings and things into my day-to-day but you know I'm reading Paul Stanley's autobiography instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of strange. I mean, I, I guess I can kind of like talk about myself in this respect, but I don't know anyone. I don't have any close friends who I would say are part of my immediate circle of friends who are religious. I don't, and, and there was, I, from a very early age, I don't even recall having a, a stage where I was kind of even, um, sort of undecided or anything like that and that, that one thing I mean you, you touch on there but it's sort of like you, you touch me I, I, I find people who are sort of like they're not sure kind of more mm. annoying than people who are religious because it's <laughs> like how can you not be sure it's like uh, there's this episode of Metalocalypse where Murderface is trying to find religion and he tries uh, you know Christianity Satanism all that stuff and he tries the Church of Atheism and they go uh, and sit in the pew and the preachers going oh God in whom we do not believe and uh, and then eventually you hear a ruckus outside, and they go, "It's the agnostics." Yeah, and, it's, <laughs> and there are people outside besides that say God may not exist. <laughs> it's it's like I don't get how you can't know. You either, it's, it seems to me it's it's one of those things where it's, it, it seems so important to have like either faith or not faith mm-hmm. that I can't understand people who are sitting on the fence. And I mean, I I, I remember. I mean, I sort of I, I've never really been religious. My parents are virtually communists, so. Oh, okay. Should, yeah. I was going to ask uh, what your parents were. No, no, no. I mean, like, I mean, my my grandfather is religious, and well, what is he? Um, it's Church of England. So okay, yeah, so he's just, kind of Episcopalian. Yeah, you know, and then like you know, I mean, yeah, he, he's kind of the only kind of religious family member that I know of. But there, there was nothing like that. About him. I went to a school where one of the teachers was a particularly pious old bat, and. <laughs> She, you know, she she used to come out with these like ridiculous things, like if I spent more time praying and less time playing football, I'd be better at maths. And it's like, well, that just seemed ridiculous to me when I was an eight year old. And as my kind of like life went on, I seem to remember I kind of I didn't consciously think about kind of faith and religion until I guess about I don't know about ten years ago, where I suddenly started to kind of it, it, it seems odd to say I got into atheism but I suddenly got into kind of like the critical way of looking at religion and it kind of mm. came with discovery of like you know 
um, Christopher Hitchens. Yes, um, Dawkins. Well, I mean, I'll come to Richard Dawkins in a minute, but I mean, I think... Yeah, the, Do- the, Dawkins is kind of an annoying old fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll come to him in a second, but I, I think the most profound kind of person that had an impact on, on that was Sam Harris, mm. who I think is a, a brilliant author and kind of orator. And there was a sort of a... The kind of political correctness of the last Labour government here was pretty much, you know, it's great that we have um, all this diversity. And people like Sam Harris were like, well, actually, let's look at, you know what religion is let's try let's try think about it in a slightly more kind of you know objective way and I, I remember sort of kind of getting into it then and um, again to sort of see how kind of really kind of like the, how religion would kind of clash with my worldview more and more the more I sort of got into it and like you said one of the people who I, I kind of like what he says and his books and stuff but Richard Dawkins who I, I love his books he did some great TV programs but he's just a dick i really mm. can't stand him personally but there was that sort of that movement of him you know daniel Dennett and things like that and i've become quite into kind of hu- you know humanism and atheism and that kind of stuff i go to a, a group in manchester the manchester humanists kind of group we meet up every month and that kind of thing and you know trying to talk about kind of issues relating to kind of you know, religion and ethics and that kind of thing and i guess it's as, as close as you can find to kind of you know an atheist uh, sorry someone going to church is an atheist going to one of these groups and it's quite strange because people often say well you know what do you talk about like your lack of belief and it's like well kind of <laughs> you know it's like you sort of say that i don't believe in god neither do i you know it's not like that you know oh kind of, god in whom we do not believe it's a bit like that and it sounds a bit kind of strange it's one of the things about kind of like one of the reasons why you know atheists like to whinge about how much sort of like how offensive they find kind of religious groups but because of the nature of atheism it doesn't sort of kind of like form itself into groups like that it's more like an ideal you don't have the church of atheism you don't see kind of like a hundred thousand atheists coming together saying we're pro-abortion you know it's like they do have like in america these atheist churches quote-unquote have been mm. popping up but i don't think there's like an orthodoxy around yeah you know there's not like the the 12 commandments you know sorry the 10 commandments of atheism (laughs) you know what i mean it's sort of like that's kind of you and and i i I mean i I personally feel like because my sort of thoughts on religion and how kind of i kind of go about has become quite important to me over the past few years and a lot more than it was and you know, sort of, I think there's a kind of a struggle. Of David Cameron's just come out recently. Said we're a Christian nation, and um, mm. I, I think if you're in politics, it probably pays to sort of invoke God. It certainly doesn't hurt yeah. you to say, you know, I can't believe there aren't any atheists in the American government. That's just ridiculous. I, well, Obama's an atheist. The, po- the fucking Pope's an atheist. So I'm sorry, I don't. He, he certainly speaks like one. And you know, it's certainly these things come out, and it, it's you know, I, I couldn't disagree with David Cameron's view that it's a Christian nation more and. It's it, it kind of like there was someone put a clip on YouTube the other day, and it was Bono so on Facebook the other day. It was Bono talking about religion. He was he was saying just you know yes he believes in God, yes he believes in Jesus and stuff like that. And he said um, it's either that or fifty percent of the world are suffering some some kind of delusion. And I sort of completely agreed with what he's saying. I do think it's a delusion of sorts. <laughs> and, and when you say that to people, they kind of go, well you, you know you can't say that. It's really offensive and stuff like that. But I do think sorry, I mean, my cat's there. Oh, that's fine. Let me just get the water spray. Hang on. That sounds really harsh, but it's the only thing that makes him. No, fuck I, off. I have friends who do that to their cats, and it seems to work. <laughs> one minute. One minute. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Sorry, going back to it. Yeah, I don't. I, I do sort of think it's like when people say that they kind of hear the voice of God. Mm. To me, as an atheist, because God doesn't exist, I, I wonder what are they hearing? And obviously, 
it's it's it, it's when you get into the kind of the realms of the sort of the okay, the theological kind of type stuff. Sorry, mate. Right, got, him. <laughs> got him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like uh, yeah. I mean, kind of when it kind of goes to that. I mean, is it something like? I mean, you know, you often hear kind of like sometimes I think kind of Christians are quite good at come coming off like being this kind of oppressed minority. And yeah, it's, it's you know when people don't agree with the fact that they're kind of like, of their beliefs. I mean, do you find that kind of like you have to kind of justify being religious sometimes, or is it something you're quite happy with just saying that this is who I am? And it, yeah. I'm kind of happy just saying, look, this is who I am. This is what I believe. I mm. don't really feel the need to justify it, but you know, I don't have a lot of people coming at me about yeah. it either. Uh, and you know, when I do, because what was it? When I went back to Memphis. Uh, one of my good friends there goes, hey, man, are you all right? And I said, yeah, why? And he goes, uh, you're not, like, dying or anything? I said, no. And he goes, well, yeah, I mean, I saw you became Catholic. I was worried, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like some like, sort of. I was like, yeah. no. And he was like, well, what's up with that? And I just said, look, it's just a personal journey I've been on. And um, this is who I am and this is what I believe. And he goes, all right, just as long as you don't try to convert me or anything. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, it's got, it's got that thing is it's like when people say like they, they're against gays and they're like, they, they say things like, you know, I don't mind them as long as they don't try and turn me into one. It's like, well, how many times has that actually happened in your life? Do we have any? I don't know. I get a lot of, I get a, I have a lot of, uh, I get a lot of, uh, a lot of large, the men in the bear community, I'm sure would love to turn me into one. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, it's, I think it's like that kind of like that threat that doesn't really exist that people like to kind of like, you know, pretend is kind of, you know, sure, out there sure. to get them. But I mean, yeah. And I, you know, and look, I, I totally understand how people can be really fucking annoyed by uh, the, uh, I guess what you would call the fundamentalist, right? Like the sort of yeah. fundamentalist American christian types i i think something has gone very wrong in america with religion i mean i do think there's there's a lot of garbage christianity out there you know yeah i mean i mean a lot of like you go to some of these uh mega churches i mean it's like you know it's like a kiss concert well i mean it's like you know pray god pray to god and subscribe to 39.99 a month oh yeah my special bible thing and you know i can't remember the guy's name but he he's the most scariest looking dude, and he's this kind of like mega preacher. And my yeah, favorite was Pat my, Robertson, or oh no no, he's he's a younger guy, and oh. I I I've, I've I've I can't remember his name now. But I was watching the, the God Channel or something the other day, and he was on God, the God Channel. No, we do have something like that on Sky, and I, I was watching that, and I thought there is not a chance in hell I would leave you alone with my kids. Uh, yeah. It's just that thing. And my favorite all time was Ted Haggard, of course. He's just priceless. <laughs> what I mean, like yeah, he's an absolute role model. To me, right. you, know, you know, anyone who goes and smokes crack and has sex with prostitutes, you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. d- deserves our respect. And then, you know, but yeah, I think something very wrong happened in America with, and we will probably touch on it when we talk about the controversy well, surrounding. And, you know, so. a lot of like a lot of religious types fled Europe to uh, kind of practice their own version of Christianity. You know, their own ver- like Quakers and yeah, yeah. Uh, p- the Pilgrims and all that. You know, they were trying to get away from Catholicism and all this, and so you know. There was a very anti-Catholic sentiment in America for a long time, and in many ways there still is uh, in certain areas. Uh, uh, but, you know... Uh, and how, how bored are you now of having to talk about child abuse in the Catholic Church? Or? Oh, it's, you know... It's... <laughs> I mean, it's a horrendous... I mean, there's got wrong. I mean, it's, it's a horrendous thing, but, I mean... Yeah, I, yeah I, it's, I, it's I, awful. I mean, and, you know... Gosh, it, it, it feels like there are monsters in every... Uh, 
in, in everywhere in this world. You know? Yeah, it's I mean, really, I think it's, it's I mean, really terrible that that happened. To, uh, well, I mean, I think like, I mean, you know, just to kind of say a friend of mine who's Catholic, she was saying like, it's an institutional problem within the church, not on an individual basis of the people, you know, the, often the people who, you know, the congregants are the ones, you know, they're the one, they're the victims, as it were. Mm. And, and that's the sort of thing. And, you know, there's this sort of, I mean, I was having a debate with somebody. Isn't it funny like, how sex scandals like that are never handled properly? It feels with it, whether it's the church or anybody else, it always feels like, let's try to keep this quiet pay him yeah. some money move this guy somewhere else but yeah. the problem is people who don't molest children don't understand that people who molest children are going to keep molesting children yeah nobody ever rapes a child go well one for me yeah you know I mean, I that's mean, in you that's something it's like taking a shit it's something you have to do if you are yeah. that person yeah and it's yeah and it's yeah it's a, it's a second thing but i mean it, it's one of those things where I, I think like i i i have seen it and people spoke to me about it was as catholics people have kind of blamed them personally for their church doing this and it's sort of i, I think it kind of it, it's, it's it's bigger than that i think and it's it's kind of one of the things that kind of kind of pisses me off a little bit when it kind of, well, comes there's, kind of uh, i mean there's i mean the thing about the church is there have been you know there have been amazing popes, and there have been really terrible popes. You yeah, know? Uh, I have a book called "Good Pope, Bad Pope" right. about the best read. and the worst. <laughs> the Borgias. I mean, like, how I mean, you not like, you know, me? there were some popes that were just like complete. You know, uh, there's some hair raising stories when you read. Yeah, yeah. About some of the, but I, I do think it speaks to something about the church that it has managed to survive. Uh, the worst of the worst in terms yeah. of things happening to it. It still somehow perseveres and remains relevant. And I think that's, uh, that's, that's another thing that is interesting to me. Yeah. And I think this new Pope has gone a long way. I mean, he's, he's someone who, um, he, he he's someone who kind of like atheists seem to get behind as well. Cause he seems to say a lot of things, which, and I think it comes back to that kind of like uh, when we talk about it in a minute, but I call um, American Republican Jesus, and like the Sarah Palins who they believe in that type of one, this one who kind of you know believes in that they should be incredibly rich, and that's what Jesus would want. And this new pope seems. Oh to yeah, get, it's what, like if if a priest ever tells you God wants me to drive a BMW, he's not a good priest. You know? Yeah, exactly. And I think this new this new pope, I think he's kind of like he, he's sort of. I mean, at the end of the day, to me, there's you, there, there's a lot of hyperbole about him. You know, this guy's great, and anyway, he still believes in what I consider to be kind of supernatural and you know nonsense, basically. But the, the fact Pope's, that he's the, the Pope is more media savvy than uh, Benedict was. And, yeah, and you know. uh, yeah, I think we, we can all sort of say like you know a lot of people kind of like him. But mm. kind of moving on really to kind of like religion and films because my, although I didn't have kind of any kind of religious beliefs as a kid, I loved Bible stories. I I do too, and it's uh, I I have a kind of this fascination with the ancient world um, and the the biblical times. Which yeah. and I love. What are some of your favorite biblical? Uh, well, I mean, I mean, we discussed it before we kind of came on, but the story of Noah. Yeah, I, yeah, I, the, the Aronofsky. I, I, yeah, I mean, you know, that that film. One of the reasons was, you know, I, I couldn't wait for that film to come out, and mm. yeah, when I saw those first trailers, and um, I, I was kind of like thinking to myself, well, you know, this is going to be you know a, a, a great film. I know it might be sort of like um, unfashionable to say I like I like Russell Crowe films. I like Russell Crowe as an actor. I, I like I, him too. Stuart yeah, hates like, him because he supports the Sydney Rabbitohs. 
Oh, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me. I'm sure would hate him if one of his eyebrows looks slightly strange. But the thing is about, <laughs> the th- thing is about it is, you know, it's like, and I saw the trailer for that and I was like, wow, I can't wait to watch that. And then someone I knew was like, yeah, but you don't believe in it. And I said, well, it's not the point of not believing it. The sun, you know, last Sunday, Ten Commandments goes on every Easter for me. I know it's not really an Easter film, but, you know, I love those stories. And, right. and you know, the kind of the history of kind of the, the Bible and film stuff, you know, some of my favorite films are stories based around religious themes. And certainly I think Ben-Hur is... Although it's not a Bible story, it, truly it's, uh, you are the King of Kings. Well, I mean, it, it's it's it, it for all intents and purposes. If it was in the Bible, I would certainly have a lot more appreciation of the Bible because I think. Well, that's like a... uh, the thing about the Bible is like it's it has a lot of great stories in it. Stories you can get stuff out of. You don't necessarily have to believe in in God and Jesus and all of that to get something out of it. Yeah, and it yeah. makes for good cinema. I think. I think, I think like that's one thing that kind of troubles me about a lot of modern atheists is that they want to just like throw these documents out. It, don't, they, these are they, they have worth even if you don't buy into it. You know, you can you can enjoy it and get stuff out of it. <laughs> Make yeah. great movies or exactly uh, or glean things from it. I mean, they don't just because. I mean, I just think throwing it out completely and discounting it and saying oh well i don't believe you know i think that's a terrible mistake yeah i mean that, that um you know uh, christopher hitchens always used to say you know for some of the best you know the, the bible in terms of kind of like how is it the, is it the king james bible or what, something like that you know he says it's one of the most beautiful written things ever oh i know you, Hitch, you, i love christopher hitchens and yeah. you know I, a lot of my catholic friends love christopher hitchens and it's because he's a great writer he has great opinions and even I don't have to agree with everything a writer says for me to enjoy them, you know. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it, you know, Christopher Hitchens loved the English language, and that's yeah, why I he mean, was such a, a a proponent of reading the Bible. And I mean, this is another thing people say. Like, for an atheist, I read the Bible a lot, mm. and you know, it, it, it sometimes surprises a lot of people. And I, you know, I read it because it's when uh, I like kind of like if I'm going to go into kind of debates, I like to kind of at least have some sort of you know basis of kind of. Conge- yes. you know, counterpoints because that's the other thing you know, a lot of people kind of take kind of hear safe when they get into it but you know I like reading it because I like reading it yeah, that's well what... a lot of the intense atheists I know they just they, they've never even read it and I'm kind of like don't you want to know what it is you don't believe in <laughs> yeah yeah you need to understand what it is that you kind of you're writing against they all, they all just say oh it's uh, you know they all just get their kind of like little hearsay soundbite uh, attack yeah, pieces you know. for the Bible and uh, you know it's a terrible mistake read it like look at it read Confessions by St. Augustine you know yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. certainly you know, it's like, you know I've read uh, an English it's, version of the Quran and you know I, you especially know, you know speaking of confessions if you want to look into ancient life I mean that's one of the most vivid looks into it I mean yeah exactly wow. you know it, it's, it's a historical well I don't think you know in terms of fact I don't, I don't, I don't believe it's a historical doctrine but it's, it's written at the, it's written in a historical context and, and I actually Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, sorry. No, yeah, it's, it's I was going to say, I actually quite want to read the Quran. I've never read the Quran. Yeah, it's, well, it's basically a kind of hash job of the Bible and the Torah. <laughs> but again, you know, we're not, you know, that's a kind of another, another for another day. But, you know, I mean, I, I found like throughout my life, I've been drawn to films with, uh, you know, about religion from Bible stories. And, you know, it, for Hollywood, it's it's been a goldmine, really, hasn't it, over oh, the years? Oh, yeah. I mean, Cecil B. DeMille made his career adapting stories from the Bible, you know. <laughs> and you kind of go back and watch it. What's the one with John Wayne in it? Is it King of Kings? Uh, gosh. Or is it the, no, I think it might be the greatest story ever told. And I mean, I'm not you sure. know. Max von Sydow played Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the, I think it's the greatest story ever told. I mean, you know, when that bit with John Wayne in it, 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 it nothing's funnier. 
then well the, how uh, it's it's not as funny though as john wayne playing uh genghis khan yeah i mean that's it's pretty bad but yeah i mean there's something about those films where they take themselves so seriously and they're so kind of you know and they're, they're so worthy and stuff like that and then you have you know kind of pasolini uh you know one mm. of you know, a, an absolute diehard atheist you can't really ask for anyone who kind of atheist communist homosexual <laughs> yeah who makes check, check, i think check. you know who, who i think has made one of the best religious films of I all just time got, uh, that's one of my all-time favorites that and um uh, uh what's rossellini's flowers of saint francis i've right. not seen the f- sounds of Franc- um, saint oh, francis Tom, you've got to see it it's amazing yeah, uh, no, no. Amazing. Uh, how how dumb. It's it's a great. It's one of my favorite neorealist movies. Uh, it he used actual Franciscan monks to play Francis right. and his brother, and it's a funny movie. It has Fellini co-wrote it. Right. It has this sort of sense of humor and this sort of these very Fellini moments that you will know immediately when you see them. But it's a uh, it's one of my all time favorite movies. Like, yeah, I mean, have you ever seen Jesus of Montreal as well? No, I haven't. No, that's definitely worth checking out. Because that's, you know, and again, another quite kind of, I think it just nails what, it, I mean, it, it kind of, it, it's one of the ones that actually makes you think, you know, it made me certainly think a lot about the whole kind of, you know, the allegory and all that kind of thing. You Have know, you guys talked about Gospel of Matthew on Masters of Cinema yet? Not yet, no. We'll get you back Okay, because I just got it. I got that uh, Blu-ray recently. Yeah. No, I didn't I mean, know they re- released it. When I saw it, I immediately imported it. Yeah, no, it's a great, you know, it's a, it's a brilliant film. I, I've watched it quite recently. And um, yeah, you know, that's probably my favourite, I think, of all kind of the stories of Jesus. Actually saying, well, the Ben-Hur one, but I mean, um, Ben-Hur's not really, well, it's, it's about Jesus, kind of. You see his feet it, quite He makes a cameo. <laughs> yeah, you see his feet quite a lot. Do you know, quite funny, actually, I, I saw a still of the guy that actually played Jesus in Ben-Hur, and they actually kind of cast him with, like, long hair and... Mm. Like he looks like Jesus, but well, that kind of image of Jesus. It's like surely, <laughs> surely, you only, you only needed his feet, surely. So I can't quite understand why they went in the whole whole that department. But no, yeah, definitely the you know the the Gospel according to Matthew is, is is certainly one of my favorites. But I guess to kind of come back to the last temptation of Christ, yeah, because we... this was, I, I think, it's an interesting thing about kind of like there's a certain few directors who, like, you, you try and look at their work, mm. and because of who they are you try and look more into it and think, you know, rather than saying it's outright terrible, you try and think to yourself, you know, it's an interesting failure, which tends to be the kind of the, the nice way of saying that you don't like the film. And this has I, like, this is Scorsese and Paul Schrader. This is the yeah. team that made Taxi Driver, Raging Ex- Bull. You exactly. Know? So I'm going into this thinking, right, this is going to be, you know, yeah, yeah. So I go into The Last Temptation of Christ and I'm thinking, right, you know, this will be, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. It's Paul Schrader. It's Martin Scorsese. And I'm watching it thinking, no, well, I'm not getting this. I'm not enjoying it. I'm not this. And at the end of it, I was kind of like, oh, it's an interesting failure. And then I'm like, no, Tom, you hated every single minute of this film. <laughs> and I, I tried to kind of reconcile, like, why? And I was like, okay, right, no, you, you should like, you know. It's like, for example, The Hunger Games. I, I, I maintain that these films are, are, are absolute masterpieces. And I get ripped to shit for it. And it's I think like, the, I saw the first one and I thought it was quite good, uh, but I've yeah. heard the second one's great. Uh, yeah, and I, I'm trying to like kind of convince people and probably myself that these films are a lot better than they actually are, and nothing can can tell me they're not at the moment. And the last temptation of Christ, I went away and I'm thinking, right, Scorsese, Schrader, this film is good. This film is good. And then 
Having gone back to it, I'm it's kind of you no. have a roll of passes in your pocket for certain names, right? If it's yeah, and, you're yeah, like, oh, well, you know, it's Scorsese, it's all right, you know. Yeah, and I'm thinking, no, I don't like this film at all. And I suppose we need to kind of get into because I think the key to understanding this film really happens at the opening, the very first scroll that comes up, which tells you implicitly this film is not based on gospel. No, it's not. It's based on the novel by uh, Nikos Kazantzakis. I can't remember how you say his last name. Whatever. But uh, it's it's based on a novel. It's not based on the Gospels. Yeah, and this is a very, very different Jesus who we're getting. Yeah, you, there's a lot of stuff in here that's, that is non-canon, you know? <laughs> yeah, and it's it's kind of like, uh, the way I can think about it, it's like a, a Wolverine line in Marvel. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, this is not. You know, this is a very. It's a very different interpretation of the story of of Christ, and I'm I'm fine with that. I have absolutely no problem mm-hmm. um, accepting the fact that what they've tried to do is to make it you know a very different film. What I have problems with really is the execution, and I'm mm. not talking. And I, I, I mean the film itself. I'm not talking. I'm not, that's not some kind of cheap pun. Mm. You know, the execution, but thing, because it's very tough when you do this type of thing. Mm. to make something that doesn't really kind of reek of Hollywood. And unfortunately, I think the issues with this film begin very early on from a a, a casting perspective because I think the cast of this film is absolutely atrocious. I I am not uh, going to completely disagree with that um, because it, you know, you and I have joked about this, but, you know, the, the Apostles... Uh, Peter and all the rest. I mean, they. It's like, hey, I'm Peter the Chin. This it's, is uh, Jimmy. This is uh, James the James the Gent. <laughs> it's like you know, I am putting Marshy up the floor. Yeah, it's just like what you know, kind of like you know, what, what, who are these people? And hey, yo, hey, yo, Jesus. Yeah. It's it's. And I mean, you know, need to get really, baptized over here. It's it's that bad, and I can't work out, like. The reasoning behind that, and I know it's tough. You know, the Gospel of Matthew, the actors look like Italians, don't they? That's yeah. Oh, oh, like Judas Iscariot looks like a complete wop. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, in, in, you know, you, you can't help but think. But I just think if you're going to cast a film like this, firstly, Willem Dafoe. I'm, I'm I'm always conflicted with Willem Dafoe whether or not I actually sort of think he's a very good actor at all. And sometimes I think he, yeah, he's. I've watched as a brilliant. He has film. a he has a great face. I will. Say, yeah, exactly. And he, there's a film that came out a few a couple of years ago actually called The Hunter, which was one of my favourite films of oh, the year. Oh, yeah, actually. yeah, I remember that one. A great film, but in this, his performance is so crazy and out there half the it, time. It's, it is, like, here's the thing is, I, I'm not sure Willem Dafoe was the best choice for Jesus. I mean, he... No. he I mean, like, it's almost like his ugliness. It's like Scorsese was trying to get as far away from the, like, divine postcard Jesus... Yeah, as and possible. Well, so we're going to hire uh, this kind of weird-looking guy, uh, Willem Dafoe, who was making waves in movies like Platoon. Uh, so I think there, that was probably the reasoning behind it, behind casting him. But his performance is very strange. It's very jarring to see early on in the film to see Jesus so confused, so like conflicted. You know, like you know, trying to. He's building cross. He, he's a carpenter, and he's building crosses to, so the Romans can crucify Jesus. He's trying to be a terrible person uh, in the eyes of God, so God will leave him alone. He's uh, 
And when he first starts preaching, he really sucks at it. Yeah, I know. I mean, I he's know. terrible at it. It's it's painful to watch. Yeah, like, it is. It, it's embarrassing. Like it, it's it's like watching a, a an nineties indie American movie. You know, like it's just that awkward. Yeah, and I mean, and I it's mean, very jarring to see that. And I think that was like, and that and that's one of the many things about this movie that's probably very scandalous to Christians is seeing Jesus so unconfident and so unsure of himself and so conflicted. And so it, that's, and there's like a madness in Defoe's performance that I find intriguing, fascinating, and I'm not sure if it works. And when you, if you listen to Scorsese talk about it, he's not really sure if the movie works either. So <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's like, you know, that, that opening where we see him making the crosses and things like that. I want and, to crucify all of his messiahs. And well, I mean, like the door opens and then this guy just like, this guy strolls in. Hey, it's Judas the Ginger. <laughs> no, no, it's not even Judas. Some other guy walks in first and just walks oh. in. And then suddenly Judas is there. And I've got to talk about Harvey Cartel's hell. Hair, sorry. He looks like Annie. <laughs> he does it's, look- ri- it's ridiculous. And he's got this kind of like awful prosthetic nose on. And I'm just sat there looking at him thinking, this is Harvey Cartel. You know, this is and like... He and Scorsese hadn't worked together in a while, had they? I mean... I d- because Keitel was in all of his early films, and then Scorsese started putting De Niro in everything. But yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just watching this, and he's like, he's like, literally like, "Come on, Jesus, you fucking dumb fuck you!" And he's like, "Yeah, I, I keep expecting." We've, we've Jesus, about, come on, what the fuck you doing over here? <laughs> it's like I keep expecting. We've joked about this before. I keep expecting the next thing, Joe Pesci to turn up and be like, "The fuck." You know, Jesus, you dumb fuck you. And it's like, I'm sitting there thinking, but that's, that's, that, that's the problem with the casting of this film. And when the performances are this bad. I just, I, it went too far when Jesus told James to get his shine box. Yeah, well, it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's like kind of like slapping Jesus around. He's like, you're fuck, you know, it's like you can tell he's itchy. I, I bet there are scenes on the cutting floor where it's like, fucking get your fucking head together. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like, you know, you got Joe, well, but I'm so taken out of the film. That I can't look at it seriously. Yeah, and you know, you know what's what's funny is that you bring that up because Scorsese said, you know, from a young age, like he was fascinated by the Hollywood Bible epics, like he loved them. And uh, but so when he first started making films, he said he wanted to do a movie about. He always wanted to do a movie about the life of Jesus, like from when he started making movies. He said, and then he said he wanted to make a film about. The Gospels, but do it like a neorealist style in New York City, like in modern New York. Like he wanted to do it yeah. like it had never been done. So the traditional concept was it would be the story of Christ, but in New York in modern day. And uh, he said that idea went into the garbage when he saw Gospel According to Matthew, the Pasolini film. Yeah. And uh, he said, but he said this idea of he didn't want the people in the movie to speak like they were on the BBC. Yeah. Like, uh, like uh, they did in old Hollywood movies. Everybody has British accents. You know, uh, they all speak in this sort of old way. He said he wanted the, the people in the movie to talk like normal people. And they were like, well, how do we get them to talk like uh, people did back then? Well, we're just going to... And they were talking about the different accents and things. So they said, well, we're going to have it be a modern... The talk in a modern way... And that'll be kind. That's kind. It's kind of a carryover from Scorsese's original neorealist concept for the movie was having people talk like they were having a debate on the corner of uh, in Times Square in New York, you know. 
uh, and so that was kind of where they were coming from. Like they talked a lot in the commentary track about the uh, the way they talk and um, and uh, just the decisions behind that. It was it was it was quite interesting, but um, it did take me out of the movie when I <laughs> when I first saw it. But it's almost one of those things about it I almost find endearing. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, you know, this is the thing. I'm not, I'm not supposed to find this this film funny. No, and no. and yet I'm sat there like smirking away to myself. And you know, perhaps that might come down to a sense of kind of like vague immaturity, really. You know, oh, one, just, one of the most bizarre casting bits was uh, Irvin Kershner as Zebedee. Oh, hey, I have no sins to hide. The director of Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, we can I'm get throw rocks the at this bitch, you know. <laughs> We can get on to cameos, and, and, and boy, will we. But, you know, it's like, I'm watching this film, and, 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 you know, it's, everyone's got perfect blue eyes, perfect teeth, perfect hair. I mean, Barbara Hershey, you know, she looks like she's just like... I thought off. Barbara Hershey kind of looked like a sweaty, filthy lady. You know? Oh, no, no, there's some bit she does look a bit too... Well, that's it, she's almost like too good-looking or something like that. You know, she's a whore, but we'll make her just, just a nice whore, you know, just kind of like nothing. But, you know, it's it's to me, it's jarring, and I, I, I find it... When it's a film that's so serious, I mean, this is, you know, Jesus is... He's a, he's a very significant person, let's be honest. It's kind yeah, of we're... funny... Uh, uh, one thing I was noticed when I watched it again yesterday was uh, Jesus's hair. Oh, oh uh, yes. Willem Dafoe's hair. It starts off, his hair's very short, kind of yeah. like the... Uh, the way Jewish men would have had it back then, like uh, like the guy who played Jesus in Gospel According to Matthew. But then when he becomes the Jesus of the Gospels, when we enter that realm, he kind of becomes glowing hair, blue-eyed yeah. Jesus. No, he becomes what I call Republican Jesus. Which yeah, well, is... <laughs> even though Republican Jesus followers did not like this movie. <laughs> oh, no, no, we can come on to the controversy. But yeah, he becomes Republican Jesus, which is this kind of blonde hair, blue eyed, white teethed American. And, and I think that's what they, but, uh, and they said what they, they wanted to have that image and kind of almost subvert it a little bit with the content of the movie. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, anyways, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's, 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 it's just. To me, I, I don't know, and this is—I I guess it's like—how do you cast Jesus? That's like not subverting Jesus necessarily, but subverting the uh, that image of Jesus, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, maybe I, maybe I'm I'm misspeaking for them. But I'm not sure. No, I mean, because this is the thing. I mean, I, I I think it's like an important point to make, really, which is like, you know, Jesus was Jewish, mm-hmm. and I think this is something which has happened kind of in kind of the Christian world over the years, in, in that he has been Westernized. Yeah, I mean, and one thing you will see with every Christian community uh, is that they will take Jesus and make him look like they do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like, so white people, you know, you have, like, in Italy, uh, in the Renaissance, Jesus looked like, uh, you know, there was, in the Sistine Chapel, during the on the Final Judgment painting that Michelangelo did, Jesus doesn't even have a beard. He looks like a, you know, Italian guy from that time. Yeah. Uh, you know, you go to Korea, you will see Korean Jesus, like in 21 Jump Street. You go to Africa, you will see African Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, but uh, so you go to, you know, white uh, Southern America, you will see uh, white Republican Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it, and to me, I, I guess I kind of, I take kind of Scorsese to kind of to task on, on, on that a little bit, because I, I think this film, I, I don't think it has a kind of a universal appeal like it should do. I think it's a film made for an American audience. 
Yeah, I mean, they. I think uh, Paul Schrader talked about uh, taking the more Western elements from the book and using those in the script. I think he he openly admits to doing that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think that. But I think again with the the image of Jesus they were using. I think they were trying to take this divine image we've created of Jesus and then show Jesus having that human struggle that uh, we see. I think that was the whole concept behind it. You know, I don't think they were shooting for realism necessarily. Um, yeah. I think, I, there was, I think there was an artistic idea behind it that they were trying to achieve. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess it's kind of like, you know, cars on the table zone, but I mean, what do you kind of make of this film? I mean, as a, as a kind of a Catholic, I mean, how do you feel about it from a kind of um, spiritual point of view? Well, like uh, Paul Schrader was saying that there are things in the movie that, you know, people have said are blasphemous, and he said they're absolutely right. There is, there are blasphemous ideas. Uh, I think that... <clears throat> The, the point of the story is to explore the humanity of Jesus, and that is a noble, uh, I think, artistic uh, idea to explore Jesus' humanity because we often forget that Jesus is fully human and fully divine. And, uh, you know, th- and that is a problematic duality uh, to, to wrap your head around. So uh, it almost, it feels like, I'm kind of I'm t- torn on the concept because on the one hand, exploring Jesus's humanity I think helps some people identify more with Jesus, but it almost feels like it's fully dragging him down a bit. Um, but and but I mean Jesus's humanity is explored quite well in the Bible with um, the Garden of Gethsemane and those kind of naked emotional. Uh, Scenes, you know, that's the bit Mel Gibson opened the passion with. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what one of the things I mean, like, I, I suppose in in terms of kind of like, and I don't want to sound like I'm kind of trying to patronize the film thing, but I mean, what one of the, one of the, the things I do like about the Last Temptation of the Christ is that you don't, I, I don't look at the screen and feel like I'm looking at someone who's divine. Right. I like no, I'm, I mean, I'm, that's that's what's so jarring about it is that you are seeing a, a very human Jesus, and I think, and that that is a hard thing for someone to uh, for a Christian to see you know it's it's a very difficult thing to see it's almost it almost feels wrong it feels scandalous you know you you see this uh, I mean he almost feels like a crazy person at times in the movie oh absolutely and this is one of the things I mean as an exploration of someone who's suffering from paranoid schizophrenia I think this film is way more successful than... <laughs> the, 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 I mean, but, no, 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 I, but, a bit, I, I think the only time Jesus felt divine to me in the movie was when he says, it's, it is finished. It almost yeah, felt yeah. like that overcoming that temptation felt like a very... Uh, that felt like him just completely overcoming that human side of him. Yeah, I but, mean, there's, that, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a bit where he's walking along next to like a river or something like that, and he, it's, he suddenly, it's not helped by the awful voiceover. Um, and they're doing. He says, "Like, you know, who's talking? Who's looking?" And he turns round, and he's like looking at the thing. And he suddenly, you hear a bird. The... They said God was supposed to be like a bird. Like the opening shot is the camera flying through the air, right? And right. you hear like the a flapping of wings. It's supposed to be like God's like this bird in his mind, clawing at his brain. You know? Yeah, and, and he kind of like you know he turns around, he's like who's talking? And then he kind of claps on the floor. And I'm thinking this guy's got proper mental health issues. <laughs> you know, that's that's how I'm kind of seeing. Because the other thing Scorsese doesn't do is you don't sort of hear this kind of like God talking, and you know, it's, it kind of takes lots of kind of the mystical things out of the you know kind of. I think it all, it feels like a very mystical movie, 
but in in the part I'm thinking of specifically is whenever Jesus is alone in the desert. Yeah, uh, that's the part of the movie that feels very like old, ancient Bible. Like uh, when he's tempted by the very low budget, uh, you know, use of uh, here's a snake and it's talking to him. You know, yeah. I, I'm not sure how I feel about Satan being a column of fire. I don't know if that really works. It doesn't strike me as satanic at all. Like I know. Uh, it, uh, that almost feels like something like you know Moses would see in the desert. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean Moses. God talks saw, to him. Yeah, Mo- Moses saw some funky shit, but I mean you know. It's and did you of... know that the voice of the column? Do you know who the voice of the column is? The, no, no. The fiery column. It's Scorsese and the writer of Peeping Tom. Oh my god. Yeah. That is kind of a satanic combination. It's their voices melded together. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like quirky type things, but I mean, you know. We, I guess the fact that I was raised on kind of, well, I used to enjoy the kind of the big, you know, the Cecil B. DeMille type mm. stuff, that when you go into the, the, the Last Temptation of Christ, it's a gritty, dirty film. Yes, and, it is. And it's not, you know, if you, this isn't, uh, it's not shot in a scope frame. It's a very no. kind of tight 185 frame. And it's, it, I mean, it sound, sounds a bit strange, but when I was watching it, I was thinking, I, was, I, was, I sort of became, because I'm so used to seeing this kind of big budget thing. I mean, you know, like I said to you, off air, I went to go and watch Noah, mm. and that's a big film. You know, it's yeah. a big Hollywood epic film. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's got all kinds of stuff going on, and it's, you know, it's, it's like Lord of the Rings in places, you know, and it's this huge film, and you kind of go to The Last Temptation, and it's this. It didn't have a huge budget. I think it was like eight million dollars or something like yeah. that, and. They've kind of embraced the kind of the grime of the time. And you have it, the hut. I love the huts like caked in mud, you know, yeah. like out in the dead. I love that stuff. Oh. Yeah, and it's, you know, and it, it, like I said, it's not a big epic film and it doesn't feel like a particularly big film either. No. You don't, you know, the frame that you see, it's not, there's not. I feel like the story I'm being told is epic, but it's being shot in this really tight, up close, yeah. personal manner. Yeah, and. And it, you know, it forces you. I mean, I, 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 you know, I always feel about kind of like like slightly more intimate films like that. It's that where it, you know, it forces you to focus on the story. You're not kind of distracted by the kind of the, the, the hugeness of it in a way. You know, and it's a very talky film. And I, I actually, I love the the. I actually kind of do like just certain images in the movie, like just really resonate with me. Like all the people sitting around with that are just completely covered in uh, cloth. You know, like you yeah. can't even see their faces, you know, sitting with the camels. It feels, oh, yeah, yeah. it just feels very sparse and uh, it just, it feels like, oh, this is like the ancient, you know, primordial yeah. world. No, no, it does. And I mean, you know, there's no, uh, I mean, when you kind of look into the horizon, you see mountains in the background mm. and the sunset. Yeah, they shot um, it in Morocco. Yeah, you know, that's, that, it's, that's what you're seeing. There isn't anything fake about it. And I've, yeah, you know, I always sort of say when it comes to kind of like a lot of Hollywood films, one of the reasons why, I don't get into them so much now, like Man of Steel, for mm. example, which is a film, you know, regardless of kind of the storyline and things like that. But I, I'm which just I, I actually thinking, quite liked Man of Steel. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, one of the things about it, films, it's just so fake to me. That I it, it is quite fake in every superhero movie now. You have to destroy a city at the end, you know. Yeah, I mean, well, Captain America, Winter Soldier, you know, we can't just kind of have kind of a subtle kind of shootout ending. <laughs> yeah, that would be just as good. We have to have you know spacecraft taking off and all kinds of nonsense, but. What I do like about Last Temptation is that you feel like you're watching, for want of a better word, a real film that's taking place in a reality. 
as mm. opposed to something that's kind of completely removed from that. And it's it's, it's there in the kind of like the art design. You know, you look at the walls and they're kind of adorned with kind of paintings and you know you look at um kind of the rugs and things like that and they kind of you know, you know patterns and things like that and you, it's a lot of work a lot a lot has gone into making this film look as normal as it, as it can be and that's something i do like and about it, it because it kind of makes the movie crazy too when it kind of goes into this like there are moments where and they said that that this is what they were going for that it feels like a hammer film almost like uh, yeah. when jesus says he comes with an axe and he t- takes his heart out of his chest yeah, I mean, well, I mean, well, that's that bit. I mean, that was the the David and, uh, they, But they said they were going with the Lazarus resurrection scene. They were going for a Hammer movie feeling, and you, you definitely get that with the zombie hand popping out. Well, I mean, this is. I mean, I mean, like, you know, a kind of a, a, a kind of brief interlude there. But I mean, that's one of the reasons why I find if they were, if that's what they were actually going for, I think that's a really poor decision because I'm sort of sat there thinking he's just he's just woken up a zombie. That's only going. That's only going to well, end. It's supposed it. to be. It's supposed to be Jesus being confronted with death and knowing that that's where um, he's headed. Ultimately, uh, I mean, ultimately, you know, the movie doesn't deal with the resurrection and uh, stuff like that. It's a movie about the last temptation of Christ. Yeah. And so it's not really dealing with that part of it. But Jesus is, you know, looking into the abyss of death that he is. Um, going towards and that's why it's kind of that moment when the hand pops out is a scary moment but then it becomes this miracle as the 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 bandages are stripped away and lazarus alive only to be killed by saul later aka yeah. saint paul <laughs> but i mean yeah he's like you know he's got green hands and sort of like dead skin and nails and stuff yeah, and again, then, I'm watching... you know the, and then he looks like a live person when he goes yeah through. and i'm watching that just thinking oh you know come on let's yeah this is just kind of completely kind of taking up but i mean kind of the stuff with mary madeline as well i mean you know i've got it on now her hair is just it's ridiculous she doesn't look it's a hollywood prostitute it's like pretty woman <laughs> you know i mean it's not kind of you know i mean I, I don't know what i'm expecting but i mean she's literally she's like something out of a, a you know, dynasty or dallas or something like that mm. i mean and this is this is what i find about this film is that for all the kind of the goodness that kind of you know this the look of it and stuff like that it, sometimes it just completely jars me Mm. And I'm, I'm, I've become consciously aware where I can hear the lines of dialogue, and I, I, I'm completely taken out of it. And I, it's, it's something I found with Captain Phillips, and I spoke about it on you know, a couple of times now before. But when I was watching that film, I was like, "That's not a that's not a character. That's not a per. That's Tom Hanks <laughs> playing Tom Hanks." You know, yeah. Tom, that's Tom, what Hanks, Tom Hanks does now. It, all, all, in every Tom Hanks film, all Tom Hanks wants to do is get back. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's all we want to say. And I'm watching this film, I'm thinking, fuck it, it's Tom Hanks, isn't the thing? And, you know, it completely ruined it for me. And what I find with The Last Temptation, I'm just looking at him, and I keep expecting Jesus to say, Barnes! And start, you know, like having a go at bloody Tom Berenger or something mm-hmm. like that. And I find it that 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 jarring. And again, I sort of take Scorsese's task in this, because I don't know why, you sort of say that that's the look he's going for, but I don't know why he's trying to do that. I can't think really why anyone would want their film to fill this artificial it just seems a very strange way of making a film to me but yeah it is it is a strange but i don't know i i wasn't taken out of it by that so i don't know it's just a different reaction i suppose <laughs> yeah i mean but this is it i mean like i mean because this is the other thing i was gonna say i mean like when i i watched the passion of christ mm. um with a group of evangelical christians oh i'm and, sorry yeah and it, it was and it was an interesting experience i mean you know again i i, I don't 
I don't want to mock people for their beliefs. No, I don't I, either. I, I, I kind of give the evangelicals some shit, but you know. <laughs> yeah, but I will mock someone that walks, runs the entire length of the cinema, collapses on their knees, and then starts speaking in tongues at the screen. <sighs> I will, I will mock that because it's funny and it's ridiculous. <laughs> but it became apparent to me as I was watching the film that they literally, literally believed they were looking at Jesus. And if you listen to the commentary on the disc of the Passion of the Christ. It's got kind of like these theologians on it and Mel yeah. Gibson and some things. And they are literally talking about the fact that they've actually made Jesus. That, that That's actually him there on screen. And what I can't do with the, with the Last Temptation of the Christ, I never get over the fact that I'm looking at Jesus. I, I just, I, 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 I'm looking at an actor. You're looking at Willem Dafoe. That's it, yeah. And I, that's the, the, the reason why I... I this film just doesn't connect with me mm. on that level when I feel it should. And in a way, the concept is so good to kind of humanise Jesus like this. To make... Because I don't understand, really. I don't see what the the sacrifice in Jesus. I don't see why it should be so important. I mean, you know, I know he kind of died for our sins and all that kind of thing. But, you know, it's, it's something that doesn't resonate with me. One, because I don't believe it. But two, because I sort of think to myself, well, you know his idea of sin is different to mine and that kind of thing and as i'm watching that and one of the things i think i wanted the last temptation of christ to move me and i think i wanted it to change my perspective and when i went into it that didn't happen and not saying it wanted to make a believer of me but i wanted to understand why jesus was so important and it is such as kind of you know why this kind of moment is so important to so many people and i think i was disappointed because i didn't get that from the film and i i do blame scorsese for that in his direction especially and the sort of the the line delivery and the kind of the performance that he's getting i can't believe that he can think that was good at the time i just i just i just can't see how that that he can kind of come to that conclusion that you know look at kind of some of the default the the lines and his performance is all over the place one minute he's kind of smiling happily and the next he's kind of got this kind of i'm gonna kill you look on his face yeah, and it's just yeah. it's just tonally all over the place it, 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 I, I for me it works because it just seems like you know affliction almost yeah i mean that's it i mean as i said as for some for a film about someone who's suffering from mental health issues this is really good. I don't like, like to. I'm not endorsing that. But <laughs> no, no. But no, that's how I. That's how I look at it. It's like yeah, sure, t- sure. T- take shelter. Yeah, that's. Oh a, yeah, yeah. Take shelter. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you kind of like remove that ending, which I won't ruin, but if you remove that ending, that's a pretty good film about someone who's suffering from, who, who's got mental health issues, and Jesus in this, it's like you know, he's it, it, William Defoe's face. Sometimes he just looks like he's like, is this good, Marty? Well, yeah. Yeah, well, you you do what you want. You know, it's it's that kind of thing. I don't I don't see the performance. I almost I, I almost feel like you know that that might be, and I'm not making excuses for it. Um, yeah, but that might be because the movie was pretty low budget. Yeah, and Scorsese was talking about how many setups a day they were doing, and how they had like ten fifteen minutes for each shot in certain mm. scenes. So it almost felt like to me that might be that some of the performances might be lacking because they really didn't have a lot of time on the set to you know flesh it out like it wasn't like when he made a you know a king of comedy and he was doing three setups a day yeah. you know he said yeah, yeah. he said he had he, like you know he went from doing three setups a day on king of comedy to doing 24 on after hours um yeah and uh, well, uh this one he was doing like 15 which is still like a that's a pretty intense pace and yeah, yeah. you know so I mean, that i'm not saying like oh uh you know so you should you should accept it 
because because no, of those no. circumstances. But I'm saying that's probably why the performances are and because I, I don't think the performances are all that great. Harry Dean Stanton as Saint Paul is bizarre. But yeah. <laughs> it's almost the 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 weird the weirdness. So it almost gave it this weird edge to me that just I kind of I find interesting. Anyway, sorry. No, I mean this is it. I mean it, this is where we I suppose we kind of get into the Scorsese past territory because any other director and I, I, you know you would be going oh you would tear this. if this film was made by some no name we would absolutely destroy it i and wouldn't i i i would but uh i'm sure people would <sighs> i don't even think this movie gets a lot of talk among scorsese fans you know I, I, I think I, my no, friends I, who are all scorsese nuts never uttered a word about it they were all into his gangster movies no, I think that I think that's to do with the subject matter, and I don't think I think a lot of people aren't comfortable with the subject matter because it's a religious film. Well, and plus, think, a lot of people like when I told my dad I was like uh, seeing Last Temptation of Christ, he goes, "Oh, that you shouldn't watch that. That's about Jesus's love affair." Like, you know, he heard that from someone. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? So, like, a lot of people have like sort of notions of, that the movie's about Jesus. You know, is relation. I'm like, no, it's a vision that satan shows him of and it's a, a desirable one you know the having the love of a woman having a family oh yeah yeah and these I are think... all these are you know there's it's not as though in the movie jesus is you know crushing you know <laughs> uh women <laughs> yeah no no i mean this is it. i mean i think that one of the perhaps you know, this isn't you know one of the scorsese things I mean, we, we will talk about the soundtrack because I think that's one thing we will agree quite oh, heavily yeah. on. But one of the things I think about this film, it hasn't got that tracking shot in it. It hasn't got that hilarious scene with Joe Pesci, you know, looking through binoculars at the cops and all that kind of thing. <laughs> it doesn't have those those Scorsese moments mm. that we all love. And, and you know, it, it, there is one shot, which I'll get to in a bit, which I think is pretty jaw-dropping, but it doesn't have the kind of the fashionable Scorsese stuff. Well, and, and it was funny. He was talking about how this movie, uh, with this movie, it, it's not really, the story's not that different from a raging bull, but because the religion, like he said, you know, the religion gets in the way sort of, uh, yeah. in terms of uh, like the way people perceive the movie. No, certainly. And, yeah. It's, yeah. It's one of those, but I mean, I, I you know, I, as I said, when I said when I talk about kind of that, that I, you know, I'm so eager to watch you know, films about Bible stories, and you know, I, I couldn't wait to see Noah. People are like, yeah, but you're an atheist. I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't matter. It doesn't you know, a good film's a good film. I think I, I think I think uh, an intelligent, you know, I don't. Well, we already talked about that. <laughs> Sorry, no, where was it? No, yeah, you kind of like when we go through kind of the Scorsese things. I mean, you know, Martin Scorsese is one of, is, is one of my favorite directors. You know, there's no getting away from that. And as we sort of said, like I think I think certain directors have a pass kind of system going where you go oh well you know because it's them we'll try and look at it and, and see much but you know I, I just look at the sort of you know we, we, you touched on it saying that the fact that this was quite low budget but just the sort of the the, the i think it's a very bland film to watch and i mean I, you see i don't i don't find it bland at all i don't i don't know this is just i guess our different us looking at it differently i don't know but i I think it's so rich to watch uh, just the on a visual level like i was watching the commentary track and i just like looking at it you know i just like staring at the movie like <laughs> yeah don't. no i i don't i i mean I, I mean a lot of it i mean it's a very talky film there's no debate it is a very talky film, and it's yeah. very hard to do you know to make two people talking all that interesting i mean 
somehow you know if you, we've watched you know, those the, the Star Wars prequels. I mean, no one does a boring conversation like George Lucas. George Lucas is terrible at dialogue. Like, uh, like uh, our good friend Harrison Ford said, you can read this, uh, George, but you can't say it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if you watch how bland those scenes are in yeah those those prequels, and I I, I was I was consciously aware of the fact when I was watching this film, just like shot reverse shot shot reverse shot shot reverse shot and after a while i was just sort of like you know, give give me something a little bit more to kind of you know go into and when the performances are so stilted you can actually sort of i i, I, I it feels like a film that hasn't been rehearsed mm. in many ways and like kind you're, of, talking you know, about, you're talking about last temptation yeah 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 it just feels like you know kind of like these kind of these people are turned up with not really that much idea about the, what they're meant to do with the characters and you can tell like Harvey Cartel doesn't know what to do with himself during this film a lot of the times his hands are just kind of by his side he doesn't seem to kind of a lot of times he, he's uh he's you know kind of I think he's using a cane a yeah, walking I mean, he, stick and it's to and I that's probably something to do with his hands <laughs> yeah he just doesn't see he's, he's like he's like he's bored almost he's like kind of like well what what yeah what am I doing here and you know, it, it seems like these where you know, you can imagine the actors, the agents were on the phone, like saying, "Do you want to play Jesus, Willem?" It's like, what actor isn't? Well, that's uh, we were talking about Judas. It, getting back to religious aspects yeah, yeah. of the movie, the, something that I find very problematic is the idea that Judas is this uh, tragic figure who's part of the grand divine plan and is therefore a holy character. Yeah, I mean, um, this is a Judas. This is a- Judas betrayed Jesus for money, just because it he had to do that for this to happen his intentions were i got to get paid you know now he did eventually he did uh you know uh you know he went out to the desert and committed suicide when he realized what he had done but that's something that's one thing i'm not really a fan of about the story overall is the the judas character being this kind of righteous character Mm -hmm. Um, well this is one of the things i mean like i mean going kind of uh, kind of veering into the kind of the the, the realms of religion now but without judas Mm. There is no, there is no. I know, but I'm saying though, like you have to speak that that's true, but speaking purely like Judas as a person, his intentions behind what he did were not to get Jesus on the cross, not to get Jesus on the cross, so it will be fulfilled in the Bible. He specifically betrays him for money, and so Judas as a person, yes, like what he did had to happen. But I don't think Judas was this great person that, you know, is this holy figure. You know what but I'm in, saying? In, does that not make him, I mean, like, you know, you can, you can say, like, you know, he's not a great person, obviously. But, you know, no Judas, no, no Christianity. There is no... True. Yeah, no, just... thing. So, you know, it's the way, to, the way I mean, I kind of look at it is like, I mean, he's like a plot device, isn't he? Really? Yeah, exactly. In, the, in, you know, in, he, in terms of Jesus' story. He's, he's there to get him on the cross. I he's mean, a necessary plot device. but He is a plot device. So, I mean, that's always one of the things I struggle with the story of Jesus when you kind of like look into kind of the the, the, the technicalities, I suppose, is, is kind of the for want of a better word for it. But it's like, you know, Judas is this kind of like vilified figure, yet mm. someone had to do what he did in order for this thing to happen. <laughs> so in that way, and then if you kind of go against kind of the fact that it's all part of a plan and predetermination. Um, he, I, I don't know what the church's teaching is on predetermination. I don't think... Uh, I. I, I'm not going to say for certain mm. uh, what the Catholic Church thinks because I think predetermination is kind of a uh, I think that's a Protestant thing but yeah. I, uh, I, I'll have to look on that but as far as because uh, I know the church talks more about free will 
and yeah. things of that nature. So um, I think uh, I think that would be I would I'd, I'll have to ask my priest about it because uh, yeah. he's he's a, he's a, a catech lawyer of the catechism. He's you know a human encyclopedia on these things. Um, so I don't know exactly what their church. The, so like if you were to say predetermination, I'd be like, well, I don't think we believe in that <laughs> yeah i know but i mean the kind of i mean it's, it's one of these kind of like you know it, it's it's one of these kind of like atheist type you know kind of debate things that people sure, have sure. you know it's like you know thing it's like you know if there's a god then why was there the holocaust you know these types of kind mm-hmm. of conversations why do bad that, things happen to good people yeah ex- exactly but that's and what malik's like, tree of life is about really well yeah i mean essentially but i mean i've always found like judas gets a bit of a bad press really yeah. oh sure I think and he, i know that's a that's a something you know you always hear about well, like Judas. He had to do this; had to happen, and he's probably getting a bad rap. But um, I've, because I, I've kind of thought about that, and I was thinking, well, you know, if his, his intentions behind it weren't to uh, were to get rich, not to, um, I'm kind of thinking about his intentions as a person, and yeah. according to what we know in the Bible, they were not uh, good and yeah, well intentioned. And what happens in the last temptation of crisis? I think. That they they kind of kind of go down the route that I'm kind of, my kind of chain of thought a little bit, which mm. is like, uh, it, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think kind of like Jesus is actually kind of like endorsing him to do it, isn't he? Yeah, Jesus, Jesus basically tells him, you know, this has to happen. <laughs> yeah, and he's like the one. Judas is the one trying to talk him out of it. Now, I mean, it's an interesting kind of spin on the story. And it is me, an that, interesting spin. That, that's I'm not logical. saying it doesn't have merit to explore. Yeah, but, but to uh, me, that's more. Know, that is just more remember logical. It, I, I, what I would what I would tell to people is that it's it's not gospel, but yeah. it's an interesting thing to explore artistically. Yeah, and to me, like it makes more sense to me than what's in the Bible. I okay. actually, and that's one. That's one of the things. I mean, that would kind of. I'm just thinking, like you know, from a storytelling perspective. Sure. I think it's a. I think it's a poor piece of storytelling in the Bible. That 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 that, that, that that's that's the way it goes, and I think you know, how dare it you. W- <laughs> <laughs> when it more you know, when it's this way, you sort of think, yeah, you know, that makes more sense to me logically than than it would do. You know, he's kind of doing it for money. This happening because without him, there is no, you know, Jesus isn't going to go on the cross, is he? That's the type of thing. But I can see why. I mean, like, if you are kind of you know the Gospels and stuff like this, this portrayal of Judas is it's pretty strange. It has to be said, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 another thing about the movie that's kind of scandalous is that. Judas almost seems like a better person than Jesus in many ways. <laughs> well, there's this brilliant bit where he's, he's chatting to Jesus and he's with, with the disciples, and he, he's like saying things like, "If I don't like someone, I smash their heads in," and all this kind of thing. And he's like saying it like kind of like, and it's like gangster Judas again. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm back to Main Street. You know, it, it's that kind of thing. And again, that's you know, these kind of tonal shifts where it's this kind of like really kind of conversational dialogue, and he's sort of thinking, "Well, this is a film about Jesus." You know, this is. Sorry, yeah, mate. that's yeah. Again, that's the thing uh, that they said they were trying to put in there was conversational dialogue as opposed to the sort of, you know, yeah, and, poetic and the, dialogue that you would normally hear in a movie like this. And yeah, the the BBC, yeah, like you say, like kind of where everyone talks in this incredibly solemn and you know, kind of deeply serious way. And yeah, yeah, it does askew that. But I have heard yeah. that Herod seeks the head of John the Baptist. Well, it is like that. I mean, but you know, that's. Yeah, that's that was the kind of the style of the time but i mean sure. you know, i think you know well oh, no of course it was a style at the time it's just it's just they were trying to go for a different style that would engage the audience but it probably alienated a lot of the audience like yourself you know yeah and i mean you know i just kind of comes to think i mean like, you know, when you watch this film i mean do you think it kind of like just do you feel like watching it you kind of understand jesus more 
I think I identify with him on when I watch the movie I sort of identify seeing the human struggle the, I, I, I it's I almost see it as like a depiction of Jesus the, the, the quote cousin Stankis or I'm probably saying his name completely wrong yeah the author of the book had about the uh, the clash of the human and the divine I think it's a very interesting theme that they explore with Jesus. But at the same time, I don't see Willem Dafoe's depiction of Jesus as a proper depiction of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I would consider, uh, like, I thought uh, the guy who played him in Gospel According to Matthew was better. I thought Jim Caviezel was better. uh, Well, I mean, I I think it's a good time to talk about The Passion of the Christ Mm, in terms of relating it to this film. Because I mean that's one that goes for ultra realism. Oh, it's it? it's very, uh, you know, it's funny. Um, Last Temptation of Christ seeks out to show you the reality of, you know, it's kind of showing Jesus being tempted, which is very. You read about it in the Bible; it's one thing. You see it; it's completely different. You know, it's it's kind of uncomfortable because you can see, you can see that it bothers Jesus, and that Jesus is disturbed and possibly wants to give in, but he doesn't. And um, and that's a tough thing to watch. Mel Gibson is going for, you know, seeing Jesus crucified in art is one thing. And here's what here's, here's a crucifixion. I'm going to show you yeah. all the bloody, gory details of what Jesus yeah. went through. It's very, you know, it's a very Catholic movie. The su- the suffering, the uh, you know, all of that. Yeah, I mean, because people, I mean, people say, "Oh, it's, it's like you know, it's like torture porn," and I'm like, I think that's the point. Uh, yeah, yeah I, but I, I mean, I don't like the term torture porn, uh, you know, because that almost it almost implies that it's like a sadistic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, so, no, no I mean, it's, it's, it's not it, that at all. I don't think. You know? No, I mean, it's, it's, it certainly doesn't you know, torture. Yeah, I know, I know what you're saying. I mean, like gratuitously violent. I mean, I think the thing. About, I mean, it, like, when I when I hear torture porn, it's like it's like you know, I'm I'm not beating off to this. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, anything, but no, no. When I'm watching like the Passion of Christ, I mean, I you. Know, I, I would a, a stretch say that I believed that there might have been someone who was like Jesus who and you know, the simple fact matters we know the Romans did actually kind of you know mutilate and kill a lot of people based mm. on their religious beliefs and I mean and Pontius Pilate was a real person we discovered um, yeah you know yeah, and, and um, Jesus is mentioned a lot in Roman history books or he's mentioned a few times not a lot I, I don't think he's ever i don't think he's ever mentioned as by name i think it's mentioned in a i think from my recollection it's a lot more kind of vague that but mm. well, i mean you know I, I certainly felt you know i mean i, I didn't like the, the the passion of the christ but you know I, I think in terms of kind of showing barbarity it certainly mm. hit that you know it it, you know, it it truly does but you know it's it's, it's a strange one because i mean this is a, a kind of question i, I was going to pose to you really. do you think it's even right that people make films about jesus Gosh, uh, I, yeah, I, I think it's okay. I, I think it's I think it's all right because we Catholics have done paintings and art and yeah, uh, you know, the, like a lot of the great art from the Renaissance is about Jesus and about uh, depicting things from the Bible, um, and so I think it's okay to do movies about it as well. I, I don't have a problem with it. Um, I know some religions, you know, like Muslims, for example, like you know the the fact that somebody made a movie about that Mustafa Akkad made the message or whatever the, the Muslim movie was, that was like, holy shit, you can't do that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like that, that their religion strictly forbids it. So that's like a much more scandalous thing. Uh, 
But depicting Jesus in artwork, there are some Christians who think it's wrong, some subsects of Christianity, but being a Catholic, being that the art that uh, the Bible has inspired was so is, has been so important to Western civilization. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think making movies about Jesus is is just fine, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, because, I mean, yeah, you can talk about the controversy surrounding this film because, I mean, um, it was, it, it pissed, a, well, I, I wouldn't say it pissed a lot of people off, it pissed a lot of very loud people off. Yes, uh, it, that's the state of of the world today is if you can get a minority to kick and scream enough, it seems like a ton of people, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, you know, I, 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 mean, I think I was only eight when this film came out, but I remember seeing on the... When The Passion a, came out? Oh, the last temptation of Christ. Oh, the last eight, temptation of Christ. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember. I remember. Oh, I thought we were talking about the passion. No, 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 no. But I mean, yeah, yeah. I remember sort of like the, the controversy surrounding this film. Yeah. Oh, this. Yeah, this movie. It's still controversial today. You bring it up, and people, you know, are like, oh, you know. Which, but I mean, why, why though? I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, I mean it goes back. To, it goes back to that opening kind of scroll that says, "This is not gospel. It's not." I know. Sin. I, I don't think people understood that though. I think they heard from again. A bunch of attention, an attention-seeking minority, mm. fed a lot of. Um, they fed a lot of false information about the movie. Yes, there is a sex scene between Jesus and Mary Magdalene, but Jesus is not actually having sex with Mary Magdalene. It's a vision imposed upon him by Satan, and it's not really. It's not even a hot scene. It's just like them making out, you know, in the shadows, and that's it. But yeah, uh, I mean, it's not like it's not a, like my dad thought it was about Jesus's love affair, you know. So like there was before the movie came out, people were saying things about it that just weren't true, and so mm-hmm. that and that stuff catches on because the news reports it because we all know how accurate the news is. No, <laughs> you know? no I mean I I think that honestly, <laughs> and uh, got, like if... but even like uh, Franco Zeffirelli, the guy who did uh, Jesus of Nazareth. Um, famous filmmaker and un-Catholic. Like, you know, he pulled his movie out of, a like, the Venice Film Festival because the passion... I mean, uh, because Last Temptation was screening. Right, uh, I mean... There. So it was, it was a lightning rod, for sure. Yeah, and it's it, it's it's strange to I me, mean, because, yeah, obviously, kind of Martin Scorsese, I mean, he said it hasn't, hasn't he, that if he didn't go into making films, he would have become a Catholic priest. Priest, yeah. He said when you where he grew up, you either became a gangster or a priest. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, and it's it's interesting that you know someone who obviously you know who who could could potentially be one of the people offended by well you know at least kind of feign offense at this film sure. would, would want to make it in the first place. Mm. I, I mean, that's... and the book was controversial too. Uh, the author was excommunicated by the Greek Orthodox Church. Shit. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's interesting, you know, that someone you know, can feel compelled to make something that's going to kind of you know potentially you know. Annoy so many people, but I mean, you know, is is the last sensation a film that you know you as a Catholic would recommend to kind of fellow Catholics to watch? I would recommend it, but I would say just remember when you're watching it, this is not the gospel. This is an exploration of sorts, and you know, it may you may not like the way it makes you feel. You may not like what you see, uh, but I wouldn't say like, oh, it's a, a sin to watch it or something. Um, or a sin to you know feel something watching it, but you know just it's not canon. It's it's an artistic exploration of Jesus that um, I think is interesting. But it, you know, and I know I know some Catholics who really love this movie. Yeah. Uh, they get a lot out of it. But um, and but uh, you know, and there are things that they're. You're, I, I will tell any Catholic there are things that you will have, have problems with in this movie. So there are things I have problems with in it. 
But um, it's a very different uh, exploration of Jesus. But it's not the Gospels. You know, do not for one second think that this is a movie about the Gospels. It's not. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I can. That's yeah, from an artistic point of view, I kind of salute anything that has the kind of the the guts to do something slightly different. And especially as soon as you open the can of worms that is religion. you're in all kinds of trouble from the off yeah exactly I mean and you know it's funny like people were scandalized by this movie for many different reasons superficially yeah the reason you will hear from like the religious right in America was it's a movie about Jesus having sex or something and it's a sexy film that's the what that's what people that's and that's a misconception people have but superficially the idea of Jesus having sex at all is you know upsetting to uh to people and then but further but under the skin what would upset people is that jesus comes off in a very like religion like almost in a mad he almost seems mad in the movie he uh you see him having doubts you know outside of the gethsemane uh garden sequence you see him having um you know, you see him preach, and he's not very good at it. You see him uh, being—you see him being tempted, like by the f- pleasures of the flesh. You see him um, uh, doing something really terrible, making crosses for people to be crucified on. <laughs> yeah, there's a certain irony. That's not. I mean, kind of... that there's uh, that's something. You know, that's pretty terrible what he's doing. And you know, people will also be scandalized by Judas being portrayed like this. Uh, you know, sort of righteous character. Um, that's going to be a problem for some people as well uh so you know it's it's there are many reasons why one could be offended by this movie uh but i think the the sexual element was the uh i mean the the big the most superficial and the biggest one yeah i mean what why i mean what is so shocking about that i mean because there's nothing in the bible is there i mean you know the bible doesn't expressly say anyone has sex in it really I mean, there, there there are sexual references in the Bible. Sure. Yeah, but I mean, like, why, you know, because there's a lot of... But in the Gospels, in no. I, yeah, that, I mean, not, not that I can recall, anyway. I mean, I don't remember where the, the bit comes... I don't remember where uh, the Mary Magdalene was a prostitute comes from. I think that was something that was just implied right. in the Bible, but... Uh, I mean, that, it's, or yeah, that people we, read into it, you know. Yeah, I mean, this is the, the, the relationship with Mary Madeline in in, in this film, because um, again, it's the, I, I don't. It's, it's, it's a bit like the, the the relationship in Blade Runner between Deckard and Rachel. Yeah. That is the that's the most at least convincing relationship ever put to film. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong, I love Blade Runner. I, I do not for a but second. But one of them's but, a, a robot in Blade Runner, so you could. Kind of... Yeah, I, I, I just don't see what the attraction to each other is in that film. I don't see how they suddenly go from, you're a robot and you're dying, I love you. Yeah. It just seems so like, it's like a thing. And in this as well, I mean, the kind of the relationship between, and this is one of the... It you, happens because the script says it should. Yeah, and, and I don't feel... That's not a good reason. No. Yeah, I don't feel, yeah, that bit where we kind of, and I, I know it's going to sound bang out of order now, but the bit where we see him kind of living his life with, with Mary Madeline. Well, it she, reminds she, me... well, they start out together and she dies, like God kills her. Yeah, well, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, in in the vision, this is all the vision that Satan is bestowing upon Jesus. Satan appears as a very small angelic girl. Um, yeah, a child. Yeah, and but, uh, I mean, she's with Jesus the whole time. Yeah, but I'm yeah. not seeing that. I'm not. I don't kind of see the kind of the, the yeah the thing. For, and when I was watching it, 
it, it sort of reminded me of the opening of Commando. You know when Arnold Schwarzenegger's like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like that kind Eating of, you know, he's, he's like, he's like giving that deer some food and stuff like that. And we thought, and they're kind of oh. laughing at pictures. They're laughing at pictures of boy George. Tom, you just and, ruined that sequence for me forever. <laughs> no, but it kind of reminded me of that. And I'm again, I'm sort of thinking, right, I'm taken straight out of this film. And I don't see like, you know, where the temptation of, of being with, with Mary comes from. It's just like, yeah, it's just a it's just a, a few sequences almost to me. I don't sort of see, see yeah. him uh, having sex with her, and it's you know very brief, you know shadowy. It's really not. Uh, you're not seeing Jesus, you know. It's not Game of Thrones sex. Let's no, that way. no. Um, but and uh, and then you see him. You, Mary dies, but then you see him. He gets married. He has a large family. He gets old. Uh, you see Saint Paul preaching, uh, which is very strange scene and jesus gets yeah. mad and tells him to go away um, yeah i mean we need to talk about harry dean stanton as well yeah i, I mean in fact we can cut kind of quick divergent now because we he, need he to actually about... uh there's a bit where he turns to jesus and yells avenge me no <laughs> no no it, it's just i'm just sat there watching the, the the cameos in this film and i've got it on now and we have to talk about david bowie david bowie as pontius Pilate. yeah it was I mean, originally gonna be played by sting Fox. I mean, I, I know. I mean, oh god, I don't know which one would have been worse, to be honest with you. But I think Sting, because I detest him. Oh, um, Sting, so Sting, Sting! Sting is insufferable. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I mean, Bowie kind of says that kind of quirky thing. But it's like I keep expecting him just to, you know, suddenly doing the weird song out of Labyrinth or something. And that's another thing I don't understand. See, I didn't even think he looked like Bowie that much. No, like his he, hair he and about, everything. He looks about ten years old. That's the weird thing. But it's like I'm, I'm sat there and I'm thinking why is David Bowie in this film? You know, and it, it might be to kind of, you know, get a few bums on seats. I don't know. It might deliberately have David been David Bowie there, fans so. are a pretty intense group of people. Yeah, exactly. And if I'm sort of sat there thinking, well, wh- wh- why am I looking at David Bowie in this film? And I mean, the Harry Dean Stanton stuff, it's just, it's ridiculous. And you obviously kind of like, you know, he kind of, we get Lazarus kind of coming back from there and then he just goes and bumps him off. Does that even happen in the Bible? No, it doesn't. Yeah, and I mean, I Saul, Saul doesn't isn't meant. I don't think he he isn't in the Bible until the Book of Acts, as far as I recall. I right. think I could be wrong, but Saint Paul was a you know a persecutor of Christians. Right. He was not a he was not one of the original twelve disciples, but um, but he I think is I think he uh, later. Uh, when he con- had his conversion on the road to Damascus or whatever. Um, I think that's when he became involved with the 12. Right. No, but I mean, uh, yeah, I, I'm just sort of watching and thinking that, oh God, there's Harry Dean Stanton, there's David Bowie. And yeah, that, like... That's the thing is the actors do get in the way in this movie. Cause exactly. Yeah. They are all people we associate with other, with a certain time in American cinema and with, yeah, the thing, and so when you're seeing them play these, uh, these you know characters that are, you know, thousands Wait. of years old and have been, you know, gone through so much, you know, so many interpretations and adaptations over the years. When you see them in the roles, you're just seeing these actors. Really, that's yeah, why that's it, why Pasolini's film works so well is that we don't yeah. know who any of these greasy Italians are. You know, no, well, that's it. You can watch it kind of devoid of that kind of baggage. And I mean, you know, I, I suppose kind of to move on to things that i do like about this film i mean there's that bit where you know jesus i, I like the you know the crosses oh yeah uh, they, they actually 
they the look like they're fucking painful. The way them was more historically accurate from what I yeah. understand. But, well, I mean, it, 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 this I would say, it looks horrifically painful what's happening to them. Oh, it, it, Bo, D- Defoe talked about shooting that scene and he said he could only be up there for 10 minutes at a time. He said it was, yeah. it was horrible. Yeah, and it, yeah, let's be honest. Crucifixion is the most horrific way of killing someone I can possibly imagine. Oh, I, I know. And, and he said it was really horrible for him because he's basically up there naked for the world to see in front of the entire crew in yeah. this in- insanely uncomfortable pose. Yeah. And he said he said it was just like he said it was really bizarre and it just he did not like it at all. Well, I mean, you see the guys next to him as well, and they're on like they're like trees. On trees. Yeah. yeah, it reminded me like... of in Conan the Barbarian when Conan's crucified. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna bring up Conan actually because that's the <laughs> one thing. I, there was, I did it, I did it. Keep expecting, you know, I, I, I you know, the cameos were getting so ridiculous. I like a you know, vulture we... would would fly down and perch on one of their shoulders. <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know, we've, we've got Harry Dean Stanton, we've got the opening of Commando, and I was thinking, why not have, you know. Just just a little cameo of Arnold just going past asking for Crom or something like that. Yeah, but I mean, you there's that scene where you know um, Crom laughs at your four wins. You, you just like, but there's that. I mean, there's that shot that Scorsese does where the camera's attached to the back of the cross as it ri- rises. Yes, I know up. exactly the shot you're talking about. Sorry, I said I know. Yes, I know exactly. Yeah, yeah, the shot and, and that is breathtaking stuff yeah. to me because that you, you you that is just horrendous and that's you know Scorsese at his best and I think it's one of the few times in this film where I, I think I, I see Scorsese the director mm. I suppose because I mean this film reminds me a little bit like it's like a Hallmark Channel film and it's like the creative director's Paul Verhoeven that's how I feel about <laughs> that this film it's got this kind of like there's a guy who's ne- trying to get a Jesus movie off the ground Paul Verhoeven. oh please god yeah come on please but I mean it's so bland to look at I think a lot of the time well I, I, I think it's quite bland to look at I mean I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the commando scene now <laughs> and he's actually got monkeys running around and you know this kind of stuff but it I looks so I, kind of... I just I, I don't know man I love the look of this movie I love the the sets I love the design of it I like I especially like when you know we have the vast open like rocky deserts and oh yeah you can't deny that you know you, you can't kind of mock reality as it were but i mean i, I think it's just because it, again i think it might come as a kind of a hangover if you know, if i'm going to watch a film about jesus i want big cecil beale to me to mill jesus and when you sort of see it slightly more kind of like you know a bit more kind of down earthy i suppose would be the word it can be a little bit jarring but you know it's i guess it's it's, it's each their own i mean you know like i said you, you can't argue with some of the i will say that like some of the landscapes in the 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 temptation part with the kid they they are a little like mm, you know <laughs> yeah commando I I, I, like, I, i'm not I, I will give you that that's not the film's finest moments right there <laughs> no and i mean yeah when it reminds me that kind of whole bit where he's kind of like living his life it's like an episode of star trek the next generation you know the one where he kind of where Picard lives that life for like 70 years it kind of reminded me a little bit of that and you know, you kind of see the the makeup isn't great with kind of Defoe getting older and older and stuff like that but yeah I think the, 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 the well the, the, one of the biggest plus points about this film has to be the Peter Gabriel score because oh it's that, fantastic I have the I own it it's great I mean it is unbelievable mm. how good this this score my, is. My favorite bits, like I love it when on Palm Sunday, Jesus going into the town before he like starts smashing everything. Like yeah. you have that that Peter Gabriel drums, and it's like it's taken straight out of like Rhythm of the Heat almost. 
Yeah, and it, yeah, it, it sounds like I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm quite into kind of like you know, kind of electronic music and stuff like that. And there was a kind of a movement a few years ago. It's kind of like tribal techno kind of thing, right? And uh, yeah, a lot of a, a lot of uh, electronica fans who are fans of uh, Paul Simon got together. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, yeah, you, you can you, you go into that bit where it's kind of like you know. Um, uh, John the Baptist and that kind of thing you, you'd you hear that in nightclubs banging out at the weekend you know what I mean yeah. it was that kind of kind of thumping stuff And yeah the John the Baptist scene is crazy <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's not the, the best John the Baptist um, scene is in The Greatest Story Ever Told where Charlton Heston oh yeah is, and he literally and he, he's like I don't give a shit who you are. You're getting baptized. He's got Romans. He's dunking Romans. He's dunking anyone he can get his hands on. And it's that is, yeah, he's my favorite ever kind of screen depiction of John the Baptist. <laughs> I actually thought it was Scott Glenn, actually, when I was watching it. Yeah, I did too. And um, I was like, I, I, was frank, I thought, oh shit, Scott Glenn in one of those kind of like roles where he must have realized he wasn't going to be a leading man. And they said they were going for kind of like the revivalist preacher, like kind of like, you know, like with, uh, Every but but like where the like ecstasy goes into like kind of a crazy, you yeah, yeah. you have you have like naked women swaying their hair in the in the the creek you know it's almost like there's this ecstasy going on that's like just insane <laughs> that's crazy yeah it, it, it's it's like it's like that 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 awful scene in the Matrix Reloaded. Well, they'll start oh, dancing in the It's cave. not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the most the most pointless dance scene. Oh, that was the ever. worst. I, I I had successfully forgotten about that, and now yeah. you have reminded me of it. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, hang on a minute, we're about to be wiped out. Let's have a rave. Let's have a rave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Quick, quick, put some tunes on. That'll make us feel better. And no, I mean Steve Aoki, everybody. <laughs> oh God, that was a uh, oh, quick Steve Aoki. Um, a tangent um a, a, one of the djs i work for um described him as a pretty um something beginning with a c i think the word was on friday in a facebook spat between them and really? um, yeah oh he just he's he, he's just said he's just the most uh, steve aoki is just he just needs to fuck off he's like the, he's the justin bieber of dance music that guy you know I mean, who what, his dad is no don't have you seen wolf of wall street no uh well uh, one of the guys involved in the major the giant scandal was the owner of Benihana, who is Steve Aoki's father. So basically, he was from a rich family, anyway. Yes, yes, yes. Oh my god! Oh my gosh! And his his half sister is Devin Aoki from the uh, who from uh, like movies like Sin City. Uh, oh god! She was no, the, like... the uh, Asian assassin woman. Oh, he's just he's just the worst. He's just he's just the the worst. Yeah, the yeah. worst person ever. <laughs> the worst and person. <laughs> no, he is, and he's always throwing cake into his all. Oh, oh, I know. It's always throwing cake, and mm. oh, he just needs to slip. It's over just. Now. It's not my. It's not my jam. <laughs> no, I mean you're. I mean I know. I mean I'm. I'm very passionate about dance music and stuff. I'm, I'm a more of a metalhead myself. Yeah, I've noticed. I mean, you're more of like kind of a heathen sort of. I know it's kind of funny. The, the, I listen to a lot of like, you know, heavy crazy music but i'm also catholic it's kind of weird but. yeah no i mean that's well you need something to be guilty over anyway don't you so that's kind of, yeah that's, that's like currency for you guys isn't it you know what i mean so it's like no steve aoki's the fucking devil incarnate but yeah no, okay he, 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 i could nail him to a cross i know it's a bit extreme but i'd like to nail him to some decks actually and then pin him down and make him listen to some proper dance music i know right Oh fucking hell! I hate no, but this Peter Gabriel score anyway. It's it, and that's some other things as well because um yeah, it's, I think it's quite a brave choice Peter Gabriel going for this because you can go for the massive orchestral number, can't you? Yeah, and it's I think it's perfectly in keeping with filming because even when you see miracles in this film, there's no kind of song and dance about them. Like when he turns water into wine, it's not like oh, it's actually the water into wine bit's very small. 
It's like Jesus yeah, like winks and you know. Yeah, I know, but he does have a. Sl- I mean, I do like that scene on the basis that it's kind of thing, but he does have a very smug look on his face afterwards, and yeah. it's like. It's like, yeah, yeah, well, well done. You know, it'd be a handy guy to have at a party. Well, that's what they they said. They wanted the kind of show that Jesus was like this guy who you know drank alcohol and hung out with the you know poor elements of society and stuff. And you know, they (laughs) so like it was like, hey, Jesus is at a party. Oh, he's good. Yeah, we're oh, we're almost out of wine. Boom. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like when he does it as well. The kind of camera kind of like you know tracks up to him and he has this kind of like he nods at the camera. It's a bit Lando Calrissian. Yeah, it is. It's like it's like that's for you guys. Hey, that's you know who I mean? they should have like, cast as Jesus, Billy D. Williams. Oh God, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I guess it's a it's, it's a worthwhile question because who do you cast as Jesus? You know, which yeah, how? Yeah, I mean, I, I would personally go down the unroute, you know, sort of the unknown route. But Kanye West, no. Oh God, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Now I, you, you'd probably be looking at you know, I don't know, DiCaprio if it was if if it was going to make. Oh this I, thing, yeah. Know? By the way, Tom, you got to see Wolf of Wall Street. I know I will do. Oh. I will, I, it was one of those films. Unfortunately, work was too busy at the time, and it was one of those one where like the only screening I could really make were midweek ones at like eight o'clock, and I thought, crap, it's a three-hour film. It's like you know, I just couldn't summon the energy to go. But I will get it. I noticed it was on. It's uh, been a while <coughs> since I've really website. enjoyed myself at a Spielberg, at a Spielberg, at a Scorsese movie. Oh, Wolf of Wall Street! Wow. Yeah. It's is like. It, I mean, mm. Is, is it the? Is it the? It, it, I guess it's the kind of the. the I mean, you're going to Scorsese director. It's a kind of. It's a Martin Scorsese film as we know it, not yeah. like this. I suppose is the. Yes, it is. You, you're, you're the Scorsese fan, and you will get a boner when you see it. Yeah. No, I. I it, it does look like. I mean, I like. You can't beat Tales of Debauchery anyway, and especially when it's kind of rich people doing coke and whores and stuff. Oh, like it's, that, it's, it's 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 like Goodfellas or anything where it's like you know men, it, it's it's a movie where men are behaving very very badly <laughs> well what 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 can I, make? I mean it's like i think didn't the guy who wrote the book said it was actually worse in real life it was and scorsese said they had to actually they shot some stuff that they cut out because they said it was it they felt like the audience wouldn't buy it yeah and which it was, is a good sign yeah and that and when you look up the stuff that happens in this movie it's all true sorry no so yeah so you were saying i was just saying there's some shocking stuff in it and you just you know yeah. you can't you look it up and it's just like, oh no, that happened, and it was worse. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's you know, it, that, that, that. it's always interesting when that kind of when the actual reality. It's like, have you seen the film Mayrine? Uh, I'm sorry, the Mayrine. It's got um, was it Mezzarine? I think it's got um, oh Mezzarine with uh, Vincent yeah, Cassell. Yeah, yeah. No, I haven't. I've heard it are great though. Yeah, yeah. They had to kind of like. There's a bit where he goes to bust someone out of prison, and they were like, kind of actually in reality, kind of like. He, he turned up in the prison armed and just burst his way in and just fought. You know, was it a prison in Canada or something like that? And in the film, they tried to make it out. It's a bit more sort of, you know, like wasn't quite as epic as it was in real life. But in reality, it was like this one man army. It was like, you know, Rambo on a mission type thing was the reality. And it actually watered it down for the film. So like, there's no way anyone's ever going to buy that. And yeah. yeah, I kind of dig that. I kind of dig that type of thing. But kind of going back to The Last Temptation, I mean, I guess it kind of, kind of wrapping up now, really. Mm. I mean, you know, in, in terms of, you know, do, do, do you kind of like this film i mean what's your kind of like you know I, I guess i mean how much do you like it on the basis of kind of like for religious reasons how much you like it on the basis of you yeah, like it i as don't a film? you know religious reasons i think it's interesting religiously but it's not going to inform any of my religious beliefs it's not going to enrich my religious belief beliefs uh really i like it as 
I like the concepts and the ideas, and I but I like visually the the exploration of the ancient world. I think it's compelling. I think it's compelling, and I think it's compelling as an exploration of Jesus. But it's not going to. And I think my religious my religious beliefs inform my watching of it. It doesn't inform my religious beliefs. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know. What I mean, you kind of you go in it and sort of say, yeah, it's kind of like a a spin. Really, on, yeah, it's yeah. it's kind of a a new t- a different take on the the Jesus story, on yeah. the, the 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 life of Jesus, but it's not. Uh, I'm not looking at it as something canon, you know. Yeah, you can put you can kind of like take it on. Yeah, you can kind of look at it and just say it is what it is. Like you know, the gospel according to Matthew, that is that's the gospel. Boom, right there. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the kind. Of, yeah, no, it's you know, I think it's a worthwhile point to make because I mean, I, I think. Yeah, I, I know some people who've who've had a really kind of violently awful reaction to this film, and, and like you know, my, my kind of thing is, I just think it's it's not a film that I have any kind of connection with. I don't feel like I don't watch it, and I don't sort of think that really kind of makes me feel like I know more about Jesus or understand his point of view. So I don't get anything like that from it. And I mean, yeah. I, I I find to be honest, I, I find the artifice of it is such that. I struggle to get over the fact that I never, I never feel like I'm not watching just the film, and I think that's my problem with the Last Temptation of Christ. Hey, I'm just that's, tot- that's totally a legit gripe, you know. <laughs> I can't, I can't, uh, there, I can't uh, fight you on that, you know. Yeah, you know, and I, I, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Because I say, you know, when you watch a film, you, you, we all know we're not we're watching a film, but when you're so when you feel like it's sort of you know constantly kind of. Um, you, just taking you out of it and you know i mean two hours 40 minutes and i if a film's good enough i don't really care how long it is but yeah. when i've in the both times i've tried watching this that last i mean the I, I would say actually i think the first hour and 20 minutes are pretty awful and it, 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 it starts off awful and it gets a little bit better after mm-hmm. that i certainly think it has a distinct kind of half to it but i mean the last 40 minutes i mean each time i've watched it i've just been like come on let's just get a move on you let's get to the end of it and it's it's a tough one because I think again I, I I think if this wasn't a Martin Scorsese film I don't think it would get half the attention that it does and we said about it you know it doesn't it doesn't seem to be kind of brought up in groups that much and kind of discussed overly but I think it would be dismissed a lot more harshly if it were not were it not for the fact it's a Martin Scorsese film because I mean I tend to get lost like Scorsese's best movies I tend to get lost in them you know uh, yeah I lose myself in the Wolf of Wall Street definitely uh, Goodfellas Mean Streets. Um, I haven't watched Raging Bull that much because it's kind of unpleasant to watch. Uh, I've only watched, and this is what absolutely cuts me up. I've watched Raging Bull once. I've seen it I've one. Seen the, I've seen it one and a half times. The second time, I I turned it off because I had to go to bed, but I was enjoying it. It's it's, it's a toughie to get. It, through, it's a tough it. movie to get through because it, it's just it is so like you know screaming and punching. It's just it's just a rough movie. But um, yeah. uh, King of Comedy is another one. I get lost in this movie's visual elements in terms of the design the sets but i don't think it's his best work in terms of you know acting uh writing and selling a story it's a flawed film to be sure but it's one that fascinates me um just the look of it and some of the ideas and concepts and uh i guess scorsese's attempted approach and you know which isn't altogether successful but Sometimes I don't know. Sometimes a, a, a failure in its flaws is interesting. I'm not saying it's like a great film. I really do no. like it, um, but I do acknowledge that it is a flawed film. Yeah, I mean, it's like I mean, my, my favorite film of last year was Cloud Atlas. I mean, so yeah, I, and I, I didn't, didn't like Cloud Atlas at all. Yeah, and I, I know some people actually. I did like 
some subplots in it, but overall I didn't like it. And it's like it's one of the ones I like, one of the reasons why I like Cloud Atlas so much is because I just admire the kind of the the the, the fact that they're trying so hard to do something. That's I mean, it, it's a noble effort. It sounds a bit patronizing. Right. To say, here's an here's an A for effort, guys. Well no, done. It, it, but, exactly. But I mean, like it's like this movie is one like Last Temptation's a movie that was very personal that Scorsese'd wanted to make since the beginning of his career. You know. Yeah. And so I can see that there is a passion behind Scorsese's making it. But you know, so the passion projects aren't always the most successful ones. Like you know, like Cloud Atlas. Obviously, that's one that was very important to the Wachowski. Uh, Siblings, siblings. <laughs> just the, the pregnant pause for for humor. I forgot they're not brothers anymore. Um, yeah, it's always a tough one, isn't it? Now, with yeah. you go like that, they go and it's like Lana, and it's like I know some people. I, I actually riled that someone they called her it, and I was like, no, that yes, be a little bit more respectful. But yeah. It's, yeah, they, they, it was it, when we used to say that it was the Wachowski brothers. It was just a lot easier, wasn't it? Now it's just the Wachowskis. Yeah. yeah, it's like yeah, you know, thing. But no, I mean, yeah, I don't want to patronize the last temptation. Say, oh yeah, here's an A for effort, guys. But yeah, it does aspire to do something different. Like we said, you know, it isn't the big budget Cecil B. DeMille. It isn't the kind of everyone talking in these kind of stupid pompous voices. It does try to do something different. To me, it didn't work. And you know, I can, I, 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 I guess it's it's really hard when you don't like a film to kind of, I, I guess, really kind of be that succinct as to why it is. But I mean, for me, I just there's. If, I can't see of another reason where I'd ever want to watch this film again. Right, right. You know, I, I can't see of another reason why, unless I was going to kind of ask, you know, to go and do another episode on kind of religious films. I'm, you know, I might go back to then. I might change. I might become a Christian one day and suddenly go back to this. I doubt it very much. You know what I mean? I can't see it happening anytime soon. But, you know, it, it's... We'll see it's when you those... get cancer, Tom. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm like, jeez. I'm like, come on, watch The Last Temptation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it, isn't it? I mean, it's... It, you know, I... I as a Scorsese fan, if I was going to do some retrospective, perhaps I might kind of go back and do it. But sure. I, I, I really, yeah, I, I think I'm quite happy now to kind of leave uh, the last temptation of Christ alone. I don't think this was going to be. Uh, put it to bed. It's uh, yeah, I think me and it are done. To be brutally honest, yeah, with you. gather dust on your shelf. All th- all three versions of it. Uh, of oh, you still have the other two. <laughs> oh God, yes. Oh no, I can't get rid of my. You know, I. I I couldn't, I couldn't get rid of my Blu-ray of it. I, I might, I don't know, I might give, I, I, I would I want to give this film to someone? I don't even know if I could do that to them, to be honest with you. I, I, yeah, I might, you need my, the Blu-ray for your shelf to round out your Criterion collection. Precisely, that's its purpose. It yeah, makes I my, mean, it's there it makes, to fill a hole now. It's Exactly. It's a placeholder. No, that's it. I, I feel, mean, is there anything else you'd like to add on it? I just, I like, I don't know, I like, I come back to this movie once every one or two years now i I guess that just because i before you said uh we should before we decided okay let's hammer out a time and do this i was uh i pulled it out to watch it again you know um so but i I don't think i have anything else i'd like to add i think i've said my piece on it yeah i I would say as well um if you are gonna pick this up don't pick up i'd get the criterion when it was brought out on region b as well on blu-ray and the picture isn't as good as it is on criterion and um i did that because i actually rented the the uh, region b one and compared the two and uh, it's a pretty damn good uh 
transfer for such a kind of a gritty looking film but where i think it comes alive on the blu-ray is the soundtrack um it's got a dts hd soundtrack mm. on it and when you've got that peter gabriel banging and a decent sound system it uh, yeah you know, it really kind of gives it uh yeah it really comes alive audibly and i think yeah. that's you know well worth you know just in fact buy it if you like peter gabriel yes yeah, like, peter if you're gabriel like, fan you have to see it yeah and, and yeah, it works but it's like if you like daft punk watch tron legacy yeah exactly you know, it's a great um, music video I mean, uh, uh, but I will say, though, if you want to see a great movie about the life of Christ, watch Pasolini's uh, Gospel According to Matthew. That we can agree on, because, I mean, we will get to that. I mean, we'll probably, uh, you know, I'll discuss it with Joachim, but I think definitely it'd be well worth coming on to talk about that. On the yeah, Masters sure, I'd love to, because I got the, like, if you have an all-region player, that Masters of Cinema Blu-ray is choice, because there's really not a good Region A release of it yet that I'm aware of. No, I mean, I yeah, I can completely. There was one agree. DVD I had that was okay. That had like it had like a little featurette about Pasolini that was from like back in the day, like a vintage little documentary yeah, yeah. on him. But the picture wasn't very good. You know, there was another one that in region in region one region A that's uh uh was it has the the original cut as a bonus feature and it has a cut down colorized version. For the <laughs> main version and the cover and all, it's it's very much uh, marketed towards the fundamentalist Christian crowd, the, oh, the mega church oh. crowd. Oh no! I'm no, sure. No, it, no, I'm but... sure. It, I'm sure it cuts out the long uh, sermons that Jesus gives in the movie. Yeah, and it says things like when he's on Pancrossi, it says things like support your local armaments company and <laughs> invest in Lockheed Martin, and you know. <laughs> Healthcare is wrong, you know. It probably says all those, all those kind of things come up, you know. Obama's a Muslim. Obama's a Muslim. I'm sure it's all. Yeah, I'm sure it's all. That. I know the. Uh, I was actually. Um, it's quite interesting. Actually, I was listening to a um, uh, a podcast the other day about you know the mega churches and all that kind of thing, and how like the number one joke is talking about how Obama's a Muslim, and I thought, God, they must be the most unfunniest people on planet Earth. It's well, just, uh, you know. The the thing is, you know, I don't want to sound like I completely hate fundamentalist Christians because, you know, but I mean, they are, you know, but some of them, the thing about fundamentalism is that it does not, it, the problem is, and St. Augustine even talked about this, is that reading the Bible on a fundamentalist level robs it of its poetry and meaning and uh, yeah. malleability and, and malleability uh like it's ability to uh stay relevant with the with the time and uh and i think that that unwillingness to explore the bible on a more poetic level i think you know the way the sort of the catholic church has and that has led to so much writing and philosophy and art and stuff with with the fundamentalist crowd you don't see a lot of art that is like look at a movie like fireproof did oh, you no, see fireproof with james cameron no. i mean with james cameron with kurt cameron <laughs> oh no no i mean i i i've i've heard of this of, of this and i am kind of quite keen to see like it. yeah you, you you i i would recommend it to you because i know you'd get a certain pleasure out of it but um you know and i don't want to rag on this movie too much because you know their hearts are in the right place and they're trying to make a you know they're trying yeah. to make a meaningful film, but it's very on the nose, on the surface. There is no, there's nowhere for your mind to, there's, there's nowhere for you to read or think about it. It's all like kind of spelled out and put out there for you. And I think, but I think that sort of way of reading the Bible and the way of interpreting everything is, 
I think it, it sort of leads to a line of thinking that, you know, leads to lame jokes and sort of lame art. Like you look at, uh, you know, uh, uh, productions of anything with from the fundamentalist crowd. They're, they're not they're very artless. They're very, yeah, yeah. you know, and again, you know, I'm sure I have plenty of plenty of friends who are fundamentalist Christians and, you know, I wish them well. And But, you know, this is just my observations, you know, uh, uh, I know. I, I hope Andy Sims doesn't hear this because he's going to call me and yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it, it's a, it's a foreign world. I mean, unfortunately, we don't. I mean, we only see it in Britain. We kind of got, yeah, we only see that the really worth that the awful stuff, really. You know, I mean, I'm right. sure you know, you know, it, it's kind of like sort of shown as it, it's basically mocked. Basically. Well, like uh, you know, I, I talked to one of my friends, one of my Catholic convert friends, and he's one of the smartest guys I know. He's really intelligent well-spoken guy and also rides a motorcycle and loves drinking but um yeah but but, uh he said like i was talking to him about some of the like i I was trying to maybe set up a screening i want to try to set up a screening of like gospel according to saint matthew or or um or flowers of saint francis uh like set up a screening and like try to promote it to a catholic crowd because like i think that uh some of the great bits of catholic art like are kind of there a lot of catholics aren't aware of them and he said yeah you know like we catholics we used to have the best stuff you know like in yeah, terms of art stuff. we used to have the best art the best writers the best minds you know best philosophers and you know and we had some of the best movies too but they're, they're kind of been forgotten you know and uh, but today's catholics don't even realize they exist and so i wanted to try to set up like a screening for that but uh you know but it it just seems like uh the that when you kind of take away the the poetry and philosophy you just kind of have this sort of superficial thing well you have you have you have dial 1800 yeah pray. you have to That's the... mail your life savings to you know yeah. the guy on the tv but uh you know mm. anyway i don't want to i don't want to be too mean to, too hard on no, the fundamentalist no, guy no, i don't want to se- seem like i'm trying to be smug or better than them but no 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 but, but I mean, that's I why think, i'm catholic yeah. and i'm not you know something yeah. else personally that's but, a, something conclusions i've come to no but i think we can have like kind of like both agree that you know i i you know like we said i i still think there's a lot of i i i personally hope we get a lot more religious films about based on bible stories and i do like too that. i but, hope i was kind of even though like i don't know i need to see noah you know and i know it's ruffled a few feathers but i hope it does well so we get more bible movies a brilliant review of it is um what's it, is it ken ham um, who's, that he, guy. who's he right for? Uh, no, no, he's like that fundamentalist creationist guy. Um, oh, oh, is he the the guy who was debating with Bill Nye or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Go and watch. The guy his, who looks um, like Jebediah. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's he's got amazing um, sidebands. Yeah, go and uh, read his review on Noah. Okay, I will. Um, it's one of the funniest things I've ever, ever seen. If he even said it's a good job his wife didn't go. That's how offended she would have been by it. You know, oh. he's so. He's so pleased, you know. Thank God she was kept safe from this film, it's, and it's, uh, it's it's unintentionally one of the funniest things I've ever read. I think. All right, I have to. I'm gonna look that up. But okay, I think we can kind of like wrap up now. Hunter, where can we find more of you on the internet? You can find me at MidnightMovieCowboys.com. New podcasts every week. Uh, weekly now. Weekly, yes, yes. I'm recording okay. next week's episode tomorrow, uh, but. Actually, you, you guys have been quite busy of late, actually. I was thinking the other day, you've got more than I have, and I need to kind of pick up the pace. Yeah, Stuart, we were just like, you know, we need to try to 
pick up the pace and put them out weekly. But you know, having three people, if one person's not available, it doesn't really matter. You know, usually one of uh, two of us are able to record. Yeah. Uh, like Stewart's not on, wasn't on the last show because he's having some construction done to his house. He's not going to be on this one or the next one, I think. So it's just going to be me and John for a couple of episodes. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. So that's about, no, it. That's about it. No, well, thanks very much for coming on the show. You can find more of me on 24framescast.blogspot.com. You can follow me on Twitter Tom? at 24framescast. I have been Hello. tweeting a lot lately. Um, I don't know why. I think it's because I'm bored. So um, there's been a few things there. Mostly it's to do with football. So if you don't like football, I uh, probably won't get a great deal out of it. But anyway, Hunter, many thanks for coming on. That will be it for this episode. I will be back with you soon. Many thanks. Bye. <laughs>